is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Great moments are born from great opportunity. And that's what you have here. That's what you've earned here tonight. Forget about the crowds, the size of the school, their fancy uniforms. And remember what got you here. If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. On this team, we tear ourselves and everyone else around us to pieces for that itch. We claw with our fingernails for that itch because we know when we add up all those inches, that's going to make the f***ing difference between winning and losing. It's down to the wire. With, with, with Errol Marks and Speedy Petey. Oh, on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Hello, 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 hello to a new show and all the fans out there. Well, to a new show and all the fans out there. To a new show up down to the wire. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Mr. Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Monday and Wednesday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on WWSRN Radio. And remember, you can call us at 631-500-0548. Go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app, ladies and gentlemen. I could say this over and over again, but if I, if you want me to, I could pull out a strap, pull out a belt, and beat you with it, but it probably won't knock any sense into you. So this is what you do. You go to iOS, you put in WWSRN, or you can go to Android and put in Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Our articles are wonderful. We have some good interns right now. A guy from Jamaica, Kyle, who's writing all our different uh, stories from when it comes to soccer and basketball and baseball and hockey. We have Jeffrey, another intern from Oakland, writing stories right now from us from California. And we have all the guys from our network posting up articles. And you can listen to our shows live on our app. And you can also watch us on our app. And you can read all our, I mean, you can listen to our clips. Um, and as you know, you can read all our stories. But Speedy Petey, what is going on, my friend? You can read our, all our clips, too. You just have to add subtitles. <laughs> That's right. We do have subtitles. <laughs> you can read our clips. So yeah. there you go. There you go. So if you ever, if, if Errol mis- ever mispronounces a word, then well, you, most of the time I do. <laughs> it could translate it most for you. Most of the time I do. Most of the time. Most so. of the time. I, I'm sometimes not the best with words. So, of course, I just throw myself off with some of the words that I use. And it's just not uh, something that really... I can share. I, I use. What's your events on any hockey names at all? Well, I will say this: I use a lot of different words that don't make any sense. If you actually looked in Webster's dictionary or thesaurus, you probably won't find the words. There's something that I bring out to the public, and maybe you can add uh, a dictionary called Errol's Dictionary of Words. <laughs> I think that would sell to people. I think it would. Oh, uh, it might. It might not. I don't it know. Might. But, uh, you know, any, anyone, that, anyone that shares your sense of humor, it definitely could. <laughs> well, my sense of humor is a little out there. So if, uh, if yeah. you like craziness and nuttiness, well, all the nuts that you want, especially the nuts Speedy likes to eat. But uh, um, I am a little out there with some of the words and some of my uh, humor out there. But uh, all in all, I'm here to have a little bit of fun. That's why I'm here. And I actually love doing this. This is something that I absolutely love to do. And I love uh, to have... A little fun with the fans out there. Shout out to CJ DeSimone, who is saying, sup, fellas, and what up? And that, it's great that he is on because the first subject I want to get into is the Jets' free agency. Why not talk about it? And yesterday, a story came out. Um, obviously, I think the first time I heard it was Bleacher 
I, I think at the Bleacher Report, uh, that the Jets actually signed Sheldon Rankins. Uh, and if anybody doesn't know who Sheldon Rankins is, he was a, a first-round draft pick, the 16th pick by the, um, uh, I'm sorry, Saints. the Saints a couple of years ago. Uh, a guy that a lot of people thought was going to be one of the best uh, defensive tackles in the league as he started to develop into the league. And he was mm-hmm. getting out, uh, getting to be one of those players uh, until he fought a lot of injuries. It's so interesting when, when we talk about what the 4-3 defense brings to the table. You need edge rushers. That's what you need. You need guys that, c- that can come off the engine, um, at the edge, which, which are the engine of your defense. And you wouldn't think that the New York Jets would go after another guy in the middle of the field, a guy that can get to the quarterback uh, right right next to Quentin Williams, who Quentin Williams is an absolute beast. We saw him last year uh, just dominate in certain games. Uh, you saw it against the Rams, and, and if you remember, before uh, he got pulled out of the game, they couldn't run the ball at all against uh, the Rams. Couldn't run the ball at all against them until uh, Quentin Williams had that concussion. He was out for the rest of the season, and the Jets were they weren't that defense that they were as they progressed in the eighth or ninth game of the season. But you, you think of guys like Sheldon Rankins, a guy, a defensive tackle who's so very underrated in this league that can get at the quarterback in so many different ways, um, can cause a lot of damage, especially even the run defense. Even though he's not known for his run defensive skills, he can definitely, he's a big body, he can clog, clog up the middle, something that Quinton Williams was one of the best in the league to do, uh, to, to do that and, and be at position. And now you're talking about the 4-3 defense, you know, the 4-3 defense. We have four guys that can come up to the quarterback, and you got guys like that right now. You have Carl Lawson, you have Quinn Williams, you have Rankins, and now you need that other edge guy. You need that other guy coming off the edge. It could be Jadavian Clowney. I mean, the story's coming out uh, that the Jets are still interested in Jadavian Clowney if his price goes down. Uh, there are other stories that they're interested in other pass rushers and maybe go after a pass rusher later in the draft, even though there's nobody that really stands out early in the draft. But I, I think when you think of Robert Sala's defense, you need four big men. You need four beasts of men coming either off the edge or coming up the middle. And now the Jets have three. And then you look at their secondary of C.J. Uh, Mosley. They brought in um, they brought in pieces. Um, obviously, Marcus May re-signing with them. The Ashton Davis. Uh, who was the safety they brought from Oakland? LaMarcus Joyner. LaMarcus Joyner. Another safety that is going to definitely help them uh, in the secondary. And you talk about maybe going after Richard Sherman. Maybe Richard Sherman's going to still be available. He hasn't signed with anybody. I think Richard Sherman is weighing out his options. Uh, the stories coming out that they was he was very interested in the Cowboys and the Jets. And there were other stories coming coming out that he might go back to San Francisco. So uh, it's so interesting when you talk about some of the veteran players are still available. Uh, you, you talk about what are you laughing at? What are you giggling over there for? I, I, oh, I, I thought you were giggling. You you giggle with your stupid giggle. So who knows what you're giggling about? But um, all in all, I, I really like what the Jets have done so far. They added a wide receiver in Corey Davis. I don't know if he's a number one. I I wouldn't say that he's a number. I one. wouldn't trust him to be a number one. But he's a great number two. He really is. He's a guy that's a, one of the best red zone guys in the league. You saw him on Tennessee this year. But A.J. Brown was the number one of the team, and maybe he lost his job when A.J. Brown was drafted. But Corey Davis is still 
a, a highly profile player that can absolutely catch the ball. He's got very good hands. He just needs to stay on the field. Uh, the last two years, he's been very healthy. So uh, significantly, the Jets need health. That's what hurt the Jets last year, and that could help their, it could help the Jets this year with some of the veteran players they brought in, Me- meaning C.J. Mosley's got to stay healthy, and he's got to play this year. He's going to be a big part of that defense, and maybe some of the acquisitions that they're still that are still available that they can add to the team. Uh, the guy that really stands out to me, Speedy, that uh, uh, is still available is, is a guy named Trey. Who? Hendrickson? No. Uh, there's a guy that comes from the old San Diego Chargers, L.A. Chargers. Oh, Trey Turner. Trey Turner. A guy that a lot of people... Uh, say could be you can compare his skills to a Thuni. He's mm-hmm. not going to get. He's not going to ask for a lot of money. He's not going to ask for that eighty million, eighty-five million dollar contract that Thuni got uh, this offseason. A guy like Trey Turner, uh, the Jets could bring in. You could put him at the guard position. You can uh, put him at the right side. You could put him on the left side with Makai Beckham. Uh, he's still available. I don't know what money he's going to demand, but he's not going to get more than a three-year deal worth about 30-something million dollars. So the Jets, with the money that they still have available, why not go after a Trey Turner, Speedy? Yeah, he's more he's di- different skill set than Thune, but again, for a run-style offense, which, again, Robert Sala he utilizes or the Shanahan offense, which is a lot of feature with the running backs, and expect the Jets to do a lot of those types of concepts, even again, if they have a different quarterback too, but still that kind of emphasis will make a difference. Turner's a good uh, power blocker, but he has good speed for his size too. So that would definitely be a great option. Going back to Rankins though, you actually called me yesterday. I didn't even mm-hmm. know about it because uh, I was watching the tournament and the, all you my Twitter surprised. feed. Yeah. All my Twitter feed. I didn't see any football news. It was all tournament stuff. So I didn't see it at first when Sheldon rank, when I was hearing what you were telling me about the Sheldon Rankins contract, how the hell did the jets get him for only nine and a half million dollars a year? For a guy that's, when healthy, a top three pass rushing defensive tackle, and probably overall a top five defensive tackle, and still a very good run stopper, too. Remember, the Saints were a top five run defense for three straight years, and number one in 2018, and he's a big part of that, too. So, factor that into the equation. How they only got him for nine and a half million dollars a year is just insane. And now, all of a sudden, you're looking at him with Quinton Williams. That's the best interior defensive tackle duo in the league. And we've heard Cynthia Freeland, when she came on our show, absolutely uh, prior- mention in analytics interior pass rush is becoming a lot more prioritized in comparison to edge rushers in terms of the 4-3 defenses for analytic purposes we've heard defensive tackles we've interviewed say a lot of those we got to get Cynthia too. back on by yeah, the way we've seen we've heard a lot of defensive tackles that we've interviewed say a lot of the same things too because of the mobility of the quarterbacks now so that's a big deal when it comes to the analytic side of it and just in general that duo is as good as we've ever seen. It's so interesting because we, we try to compare some of the best defense in the league, and we don't know what this defense is going to be because we don't know how healthy they're going to be going into the season. But when you have rankings, you have Quinn Williams, you have Lawson, maybe you go after a Dunlap, maybe you go after Jadavion Clowney to put him on the other side. Uh, maybe you're going to use your pass rush. Maybe you're going to use your linebacking core to use as a, as your rushing duel. Maybe you bring back Jenkins on a cheap. Who knows what the Jets are trying to do or what they're planning Jenkins to do. Jenkins signed with the Texans. Oh, he did sign with the yeah. Texans. I, I, I didn't know that. When, when did that happen, by Today. Way? Today? Mm-hmm. Oh, so there you go. That's why I didn't know. Gotcha. I've been working on a lot of stuff for our network, by the mm-hmm. way, with the advertisers and, and stuff that we're going to have brewing moving forward. But there's so much going on, and, and a lot of people are going to say, why do you keep talking about the Jets? Well, we're here in New York, and the Jets have really stuck out like a sore thumb. You say whatever you want. Uh, Joe Douglas really hasn't made the right moves. They didn't get Keanu... Um, um, Keanu, Neal. Keanu Neal, where everybody wanted Keanu Neal, being that he was a safety. Well, that's why they brought Joyner in. They brought Joyner in before Keanu Neal, and that's why I didn't think they were. 
were going to get Neal. And and then he signed with the Cowboys for five million dollars. It was a steal for the new uh, for a guy like for a team like the Dallas Dallas Cowboys that don't have a lot of money. They put a lot of money into some of their uh, players last year in, in Lawrence and Ezekiel Elliott and Cooper, and now Dak Prescott getting the the money that he's gotten guaranteed. So you look at the New York Jets. The the things that stand out for the Jets is you needed to add pass rushers. You got the pass rushers that you need. Now you need to add some secondary help to help out on some of the young and and, and the youth that they have in the secondary. Maybe they bring in a Richard Sherman. Maybe they think they're going to draft that in the in the draft. Being that they have two first round draft picks. And maybe if they trade Sam Donald, they can have two second-round draft picks this year. So they can definitely deliver the the uh, the positions that they're missing right now in free agency. The Jets have about $37, 38000000 million still left in free agency. Next year, they'll probably have more because they can drop or add more players next year. So I, I like what Joe Douglas has done. Now, Joe Douglas is not overspend for players, as you can see with Rankins. They gave him a $9.5 million contract, two-year deal. A steal, uh, I really think one of the best steals right now yeah. in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Adding Carl Lawson, you didn't have to overpay Carl Lawson. You gave him a three-year deal, $45, $46 million contract. A pass rusher of that magnitude, especially a guy that can hit the quarterback, getting about $14, $13.5 million. That's a good deal. Uh, maybe you bring in a Jadavion Clowney for a one-year deal. Everything that we've seen with Joe Douglas specials, that's what they call it now, the Joe Douglas special special, uh, maybe you can give Jadavian Clowney a $14, $13 million contract and bring him in, see what he can do on this defense, especially the front seven that they're going to have this year with C.J. Mosley healthy and some of the uh, the great players that they're going to add to this team moving forward, maybe in the, in, in the draft as well. So I like what the Jets have done. They've made They've made sense on all the picks and all the the players that they brought in. They brought in Hardy. They gave it. They gave you a secondary player. The the thing that the Jets are missing, which was a big loss from them, is losing Myers, uh, a field a field goal kicker of that magnitude. He's been one of the best kickers in a league, really, since he's left the Jets. He's one of the best kickers in the league when he was with the Jets. That's something the Jets need to look for. They added a punter last year uh, in the dra- in the draft. One of the best punters we've seen come out of the draft in a very long time. Uh, very very good. He looks like he's going to be a fantastic player. For for the Jets, but they need to add a kicker. That This has been a big problem for the New York Jets. It's been a problem for a lot of teams yeah. in the last couple of years. And, and trying to add and contrast what they need. The Jets have always been a team that depends on those field goal kickers. A guy, guys that are going to give you between 9 and 12 points a game is going to give you that kind of points where if you have a good defense, a, a, a team that can stop the run and make you throw the ball, th- th- that kicker is going to be like, play big dividends in the team moving forward. That's what the Jets need. That's what a lot of teams need. Uh, I think that's what the Jets speed you need to go after in the draft. Well, kickers are fluky, so that's always going to be tough to tell no matter who the, the team is or the, the guy is. I mean, Dan Bailey was one of the best kickers at football, all of a sudden he goes to the Vikings and he's horrible. So it's always tough to tell with that. They're kind of like relief pitchers in baseball. But uh, going back to Sherman, I know you mentioned Sherman, him being a direct scheme fit with Sala. I just want to bring up another name because he just recently got cut, and that's Kyle Fuller, too, who's a, a younger than Sherman, has been a very good corner for the six years he's been in the league. He had one down year, I think, in Fangio's first year with Chicago. But beyond that, he was he's been very good, pretty durable, and still is very similar to Sherman where he's a physical zone corner. You're going to have to pay a little more for him, I would imagine. So if you're trying to target Turner as a priority, maybe you stick to Sherman. But if they don't get Turner and maybe they don't go for offensive line and free agency or cheaper offensive line, that's another good option too, him being 28 years old and very durable too. Very good young corner, number one type corner. It's so interesting when when we go and we we try to compare some of the teams that have made the moves. We were talking about the New England Patriots last week on the the crazy moves that they made. They over 
overspend it for some players yeah. that really stuck out. And then Nelson Aguilar, <laughs> a couple of them. It wasn't just Nelson Aguilar. Right, they, I think they overspend for a couple of the players that they had. I, I said, listen, Judon is a good player. I really like him. I think they overpaid for him. I really do. I think they extended him for a four-year deal. I don't think he was worth more than a three-year deal. And a lot of Patriot fans uh, did not like that move, especially for a guy like Judon from the Baltimore Ravens uh, franchise. So I, I, I think I think of some of the teams, the Arizona Cardinals, they've made yep. so many good moves so far this offseason. Adding A.J. Green really, really helps out Kyler Murray, a guy that now has not one, not two, but three weapons in the open field yeah. with Kirk there as well. So they're going to be a dangerous team, especially in that division. And I'm talking about a very tough division moving forward. Um, and, and, and you talk about the Jets. They're in a very hard division, too. When you talk about Miami, that's gotten better. You, you talk about Buffalo, that's gotten better. And then you talk about New England, who's gotten better. This is going to be a very hard division to compete in. Who would have thought the AFC East a hard division? Yeah, yeah, crazy. <laughs> crazy. And then you talk about Cam Newton. Everybody said, all the Patriot fans that didn't like the Cam Newton signing, the Cam Newton signing made sense with the offensive line help that they've added with Brown now, and they're going to get healthy, and, and now some of their players coming back this year from the COVID-19 uh, sit-down or sit-out. Uh, this is this is a Patriot team that's going to be a lot better than they were last year, and they, they had seven or six wins last year. Could you imagine with a, a full-stack team? They're going to be a lot better this year. This oh, division yeah. could be, you, you're talking about two wild wild card teams coming out of that division. Well, the Patriots always get their game plan wins like they always seem to do, even if they don't have the talent on paper. Coaching will still matter, and Belichick definitely stole some wins against teams he probably shouldn't have beaten just talent-wise, especially not really in the division as much, but especially out of the division, too. So, yeah, they're always going to get theirs. The question is, though, with the, the Patriots, though, still as their offensive skill players, Damian Harris showed flashes last year in the second half of the season. How consistent it'll be is another question, and uh, again, with their other running backs, too. James White's gone. Sony Michelle is still there, but how much do you trust him? And then the tight end, they got the tight ends now, but the receivers are still a huge question mark for me, especially the two guys they overpaid this offseason. It's so funny. It's so interesting because we're, we're talking about what, what a team's going to do and how is the offseason off, off going to move forward. I don't know. I, I don't know what the Jets are going to finish up with. I don't know what the Giants are going to do. And, and speaking of the Giants, oh, yeah. the Giants made a couple of big moves this uh, this weekend, too. They added Kenny Galladay. Uh, what was it? Six years, Four years, $72 million. Oh, there you go. Four years, $72 million. Oh, uh, One of the highest paid wide receivers. Speedy, I know you're a Giant fan. What did you think about that signing? I was not thrilled because I was worried they were going to overpay for him, and naturally that's what they did. They paid him like a top 10 receiver when he's barely a top 20 receiver. He's been a guy that's made impressive catches at times, no doubt about that, but he's been inconsistent throughout his career. He he. A lot of times, especially his rookie year, he like the first five games he was great, then he fell off the, fell off a cliff. Then the next year he kind of did the opposite. This year it was kind of the same thing. And he's been injury prone, and I'm worried about that kind of thing. Now, the Giants have been good with receivers in the past, so I'm not going to fault them because they usually know how to develop the position well, but I, that kind of money, I think they really needed more of like two solid receivers and to address other things more than they needed to go after that. They gave him top 10 receiver money for a guy that maybe can be, but I, how much can you trust out of him? It's like his fifth, sixth year in the league now, so I don't know how much more upside he really has. So I did not like that signing. Hopefully hopefully he stays healthy and I'm wrong and it works out. Did you see what John said? Aguilar, uh, what, is, what is that? Over, say? under 60 catches. He'll get more than 60 catches. I just, I, again, I, I don't love him as a skill set player-wise. And for the money they gave him, giving him uh, almost $10 million a year. Uh, he had a nice year with the Raiders, okay. But, I mean, how much could he do it? Uh and then Anthony LaRocco says Galladay is a great signing. I'm curious why you think that, Anthony, because $18 million for a guy that's been notoriously streaky in his career 
and has been injury-prone is concerning to me. John Brown left the Buffalo Bills and went to Vegas, but they replaced him with Emmanuel Sanders. Great We're basically move. the same types of Great players, move. so it's fine. Um, no, no, they're not. Emmanuel Sanders is a better player than John Brown. He is. Emmanuel Sanders makes the, the, the plays. He, he makes the acrobatic plays. You, I expect Emmanuel Sanders to blossom, even though he's a— First of all, I think Josh Allen will blossom even more as a quarterback now that he has another weapon of that magnitude. But John Brown, a guy that has played well the last couple of years, he couldn't stay healthy. This has been a problem for John Brown everywhere he's gone, even when he was drafted. I think right. who's uh, drafted Arizona. Him? Arizona drafted. He was him, right? nice with Arizona as yes, a third option because remember they had Fitzgerald still as a number one, and then Michael Floyd was there as the number two. So as a slot option, he was good. I think all around uh, skill wise, I think Brown is better still. But the one thing I like about Sanders. LaRocco is that he's been good in the playoffs and he's been with a lot of good quarterbacks, good cultures. And I think that's a big thing to help them too. So that's why, even though I think Brown's a better player, that's why I don't necessarily knock them for exchanging it. Uh, both of them are injury prone at this point. So you're running the same risk, but that's a good reason to help out uh, somebody like Josh Allen, who was good in the playoffs, but not great. I think uh, help he was him make terrible it. in the AFC title game. He was terrible. He didn't look good. And he also played against a defense that wasn't up to par. This I'll say this again. Kansas City's defense has so many quirky players on that team. I, I know Clark is good. We, we all know about the Honey Badger. But there's a lot of weaknesses. They have Jones on it. But besides that, there are certain weaknesses that we you can defeat the Kansas City Chiefs, as you saw in the Super Bowl and what Tampa did. I, I think Tampa showed you the way to beat their defense. And I'm not a big fan of their defensive coordinator, as everybody <laughs> knows. And, and adding Thune and losing their two left uh, left tackles, oh, yeah, it's going to dumb. affect them. <laughs> it's going to affect them this year. They're not going to be a very good offensive line this year. They're going to have a tremendous amount of problems. If they think that they're going to put rookies there, especially in this year's draft where this is a very top-heavy draft when it comes to outside tackles yeah. on the inside interior, maybe you could bring some interior. You don't need inter- interior now that you add somebody like Thune. So it made absolutely no sense, Speedy. Yeah, they need, they're going to definitely need to draft one tackle now, no doubt about that. And the problem is, I think, with the matchup perspective, Buffalo didn't have enough run running backs or either just a raw run game to take advantage of the biggest middle of the field weakness with the Chiefs on their defense because their corners are good and we, you saw that in the AFC Championship game and their pass rush is good and Frank Clark in the postseason has been one of the best statistical pass rushers. You brought him up in even when he was going back to when he was with fantastic, Seattle. yeah, absolutely so fantastic. They they just didn't have the matchup on paper. Like I picked Buffalo to win because I still think their running backs are talented, and I thought they could take advantage of it. But that didn't happen, especially when they fell behind as far as they did in the game. Obviously, they couldn't run the ball. At that the point. the Galladay contract was a, lot, a very big contract, giving him four years. He, obviously, he wanted to go somewhere else, and they had to overpay him. Now, Ken Galladay is a good player. He's a great second number two type of wide receiver. Is he is he worth number one wide receiving credit? I didn't think that. Amari Cooper deserved a hundred million dollar contract, and he's the best second, uh, second, uh, second type. I think he's number one, but you, you think he's the number one? I, I think, think he's, he's a lot better two. than Galladay is. Well, God, there's a lot of people better than Galladay. Right. I think Galladay is the seventeenth or eighteenth best wide receiver in the league. But again, you go back and you talk and you argue the points on what Kenny Galladay got. Is he overpaid? Did he get overpaid on the market? He wasn't overpaid before the New York Giants giving him that kind of money. Uh, he is not that type of wide receiver where you expect him to get 70, 80 catches this year. He's not Odell Beckham. He's not a number one guy. I would think he's more of a number two guy. Yeah. Uh, if he gives you 50, 55 catches and six touchdowns, that's a good season for Kenny Galladay. Am I right or wrong? Right. And Anthony LaRocco says, I thought he proved himself as a top 20 wide receiver. He'll be a good weapon for Daniel Jones. Okay, yeah, he's better than what they have, sure, but 
again, you're, are you paying a top 20 wide receiver $18 million where you could get probably two similar level twos for, for 10 each or something like that, 9, 10 each, where that's, I think, the direction the Giants should have gone in rather than trying to go all in on one. Now, if they get lucky and maybe one of those receivers falls to them at 11 or they trade up or something like that and maybe that guy develops into the number one, maybe it won't look as bad, right. but it's still that's still a big risk they're, they're going to run. The Giants are going to either have to risk up trading draft picks or risk that teams in the top 10 are dumb and somehow either Devontae Smith or Jamal Jamar Chase falls with them, which I doubt is going to happen. John says, what did we think about the Juju uh, Juju signing going back to Pittsburgh? It's a one-year deal. I was very surprised he went back to Pitt. I thought the Jets were going to make a move for him, but obviously uh, the Jets are thinking about moving on for Sam Darnold. So uh, that's why I said on the weekend crunch, why not uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers trade for Sam Darnold? I think that would be a great fit for him. Even though Ben Roethlisberger is there for one more year, you have him play behind Ben Roethlisberger, learn the offense, and then he takes over for the Pittsburgh Steelers next year with the weapon that they have. That would make a lot of sense, giving a, sec- a, two, uh, a two and a four or a two and a three uh, to send him to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I was very surprised that Juju signed with them, especially all the stories that we were hearing that he wasn't going to stay with Pittsburgh. And we, we all know Pittsburgh. They don't like send, uh, signing uh, mm-hmm. some of their old wide receivers. They like to add back into the draft like they did last year in uh, last year's draft where they became even more richer in the wide receiving uh, position. But Yeah, I think the offers weren't there from a multi-year contract perspective and I think that's the only reason Juju would have gone to another team that was very wide receiver needy. I think the Steelers and the Chiefs were the only teams that offered the one-year deal, and he decided to stay with Pittsburgh, I guess, for familiarity purposes. I don't know why he would have done that over going to the Chiefs, but that's his decision. See what John wrote? Uh, John says, if anything to me, the Galladay signing means it's time to put up or shut up for Jones. He's got plenty of weapons now. If they're healthy, maybe. But the uh, problem is, again, Galladay, you're not trusting I don't trust Shepard. Shepard is what he is at this point. He's and a Ingram? receiver. Mr. Uh, Pot Hands? I, if, Ingram, if, if Ingram's even there still. I, I think I, he will be. Yeah. I think they'll sign it to a one-year deal. Get yeah. him in. We'll probably bring it. I'm surprised that Ingram hasn't gotten any offers. But that just shows you how bad Ingram yeah. was last year in the second half of the season. Yeah, so that's what you're really trusting. So yeah, I'm not I'm not the I'm not the Jones fan by any means, John. But I'm, it's still not again the only reason that they're struggling either because those weapons are injury prone. Even Saquon Barkley, as good of a running back as he is, had a bad injury last year. So you have to see how he recovers. They brought they brought in. Devontae Booker, who I like, and Wayne Gallman had his flashes last year and was actually pretty consistent in the middle of the season, but still not great. Uh, why are we talking wide receiver for Steelers? Quarterback situation is 100 times more important. Ike Feldman. Uh, yeah, of course, but again, for him getting back for only $8 million is not bad for Juju. And you know Pittsburgh isn't going to trade up to get one of those top quarterbacks, especially in this year's draft, right. uh, where they're going to be drafting. I think uh, where Pittsburgh is going to have to look for a quarterback is in free agency or look for a quarterback that they can trade and try to bring somebody in. I did not like, uh, who did they bring back from, from Washington, uh, who was dropped last year? Uh, Haskins. Haskins. They brought Haskins in. They don't have uh, a bunch of good quarterbacks that they can depend on after Ben Roethlisberger. I don't, I don't trust that Haskins is going to win the job eventually. I don't even like, when you look at the Saints and having Jameis Winston, uh, re-signing Jameis Winston, that doesn't make any sense either, Speedy. Or giving him some hell of money. No, I, I mean, <laughs> oh it's God. ridiculous what they're overpaying these guys, because we all know Drew Brees is gone, and now they're trying to uh, refill, and I, I guarantee you, 
Peyton is going to be looking for a new job after next year because really, I, you I think I, he's I, the problem. No, I, no, I think he's going to decide that he doesn't have the right quarterback, and he's the next year's quarterback class is terrible. So where are they going to find a quarterback? Well, I will say this though: the because the market has been so expendable in terms of guys wanting out so much now, I think they could get lucky once they get the money situation right. I think this off season is just going to be more of they're trying to get their money situation right. That's why Rankins was gone, and obviously that's why a lot of these defensive players have been purged from the Saints as a result. They haven't been able to hold on a lot of veteran guys, so they're really relying on certain star contracts. They're probably still good enough to be a playoff team, maybe at most, but a wild. Oh, the Saints are making the playoffs. Maybe not with the quarterback. Maybe not. uh, Maybe not. But uh, they. Still, or there's still going to be a fringe one, regardless. They're, the Bucks are going to win the division. I think we all know that, barring any uh, catastrophe injuries. But uh, still, the Saints are probably going to take this kind of year as, all right, let's see what we got with That's young it. players. That went from one of the best divisions in football to one of the worst divisions in football. Well, yeah. Just think about Atlanta it. Atlanta had the same cap problems, too. That's why. And Just look at that division yeah. now. It's a horrific uh, division. Right. I'm talking about, we were talking about two, three years ago. That was the best division yep. in football. Talent-wise, it was. But Atlanta had cap problems. Now the Saints, you're seeing her having cap problems and for whatever reason, gave all that money to Taysom Hill. So that's going to be a bigger problem. Uh, Ike Feldman says, who has a better record, Saints or Pats? Pats. Ooh, that's interesting. Pats. Because like Errol said, the, the NFC South is going to be bad, so maybe they can still steal some games there, while the, where the AFC East is going to be a lot better. So uh, that's, that's really tough. No, it's not. Yeah, because, again, the Falcons are going to Jameis Winston, Cam Newton with an offensive line and better players around him. Mm. Uh, I'm going to go with Cam Newton and uh, the Patriots. Is, in that are division. their offensive skill players that much better, though? Because Kamara and Thomas are way better. What than would you rather be playing in, the AFC or the NFC, where, the, where the, there are much easier teams to beat in the AFC than there are in the right, NFC? Right, but, again, you're judging six games a year with the schedule. Like you were, we were just saying, the N- NFC South is not good. They, sh- they should beat Atlanta. And Carolina, they're still... They're better, but they're still not great. The the Bucks are going to be tough no matter what. But the Saints even beat the Bucks twice last year, so even that yeah with well, Drew Brees. Both of those games were Drew Brees. <laughs> Drew Brees didn't play well in the first game. Well, Jameis Winston didn't play either. He made one play in that game. It was a good play, and that was it. So. Again, my argument here is when I look at the Pats, the Pats are a better team. They added some good, I wouldn't say great players. There were two or three good players that really stuck out to me. They bring in Brown back from the the Oakland Raiders. I think that solidifies their offensive line. It definitely does because now they can shift their their left tackle from last year that wasn't healthy to the the right tackle position. Now they solidify their line. I think the Pats are 10 uh, ten and six, nine and seventeen. That's a borderline playoff team, talent wise. The again, Saints are making the, the playoffs. The judge judge the schedule. Jameis Winston. So. Who's going to bet up with Jameis Winston? The same Tampa Bay Buccaneer team that he had five thousand yards and thirty interceptions and thirty touchdowns went to the Super Bowl and won the Super Bowl with Tom Brady, a forty three year old quarterback. Yeah, are you they, kidding me? But they were still not an awful team with that same level of talent. They were still competitive, and they were only bad when they had no talent. And now they got the talent back. Also, factor in the Saints get to uh, the NFC South plays the NFC East this year, which we know how bad. They are, too. <laughs> I, I just think uh, I think the fact that the Saints are in the NFC and they're in a division, yes, the division's not good, but the Bucks are very, very good. And look at the schedule that they have. Uh, the, who are they playing this year? NFC East, the which NFC- are also horrible. <laughs> but, yeah, but the NFC East is a lot better than that di- that division is this year. The The Cowboys mm, are going to... Yes, the, the Cowboys are going to be a lot better this year. The, the Redskins showed why they can win and why they could play well because that defense, and they added... A, uh, they brought, brought in Fitzpatrick, who is shown that he is a great... He's a great quarterback his first year everywhere he's gone, and he's going right there. He's going to be the starting quarterback of that team. They don't have that many weapons, but they like to run the ball, and I I think they're going to still make plays in the open field, and they're very good. Like I said, they're a very good defensive team, and the Giants are going to be a lot better this year. But they're not going to be. None of those teams are better than the Saints still right now. You know, the Saints are going to. Who would you rather as your quarterback right now? 
Fitzpatrick or Winston? Honestly. Winston. Uh, you're out of your damn mind. You're Fitzpatrick is James Winston stinks. Yeah, but Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's a spark at times, but he's been notoriously inconsistent in his career. Winston still has arm talent where he's still going to steal some games based on that, and he still has some weapons to make it work with Who's Kamara played better Thomas. in the last four years when they've played? Fitzpatrick or Winston? Honestly. They're about the same. No, they're not. Yes, they no, are. Do you, you want to go look at their numbers? You want to go but bring again, up their also numbers? Judge flashes, go bring though, up their too. numbers. Fitzpatrick is way 30 more Thirty interceptions flashes. and thirty touchdowns last year with the team and the talent that they had over there in Tampa. Are and, you kidding me? And Fitzpatrick never. That's had why he seasons. lost his job. That's what Tom Brady. You don't think Fitzpatrick there. had seasons where he was on pace for that? If he started struggling because he was always benched. All right. So, so you want to do this? Well, we'll put a post up right now on social media. All the fans out there that are listening to the show, I want to know your opinion. Who do you think is a better quarterback? Who would you want on your team? Jameis Winston or Ryan Fitzpatrick? And to that question. All right, but now let's go back to the team analysis now, too. Washington had got some nice pieces for sure, but the Saints still have more talent on paper, even though they lost a couple on defense. So you have the a Sa- couple? They lost a lot on defense. They didn't lose. No, they didn't. They lost two or three big pieces to their defense. Yeah, two. That's that's two players out of that 11. That hurts the and, defense. What do you mean, two players out of 11? Right, but again, you're also factoring in the Saints still have a very nice offensive line. They still have two superstars at running back and receiver that Washington doesn't have. And you're factoring in the coaching aspect, which Ron Rivera is a good coach, but he's not Sean Payton. So... The, Saint, the, the NFC East doesn't really have that kind of team. Unless Washington adds a bunch of other offensive off options and they do really well in the draft or something like that, all right, then they can start climbing. So that's the best team in your division, You and still they're not better than the Saints. Nobody's better than Tampa. And the Eagles are uh, questionable. The, Panther, uh, the Panthers and the Falcons comparison, they're probably washed out with the, with the Giants. But then... The Eagles, who are they? They're still decent, I guess, but their coach is questionable too. With their whatever coaching hire they made. So okay, I, so let's go to Jameis Winston when he was a starter last year with Tampa, when he had five thousand fifty-one, uh, fifty-one, uh, five thousand one hundred nine yards. He had thirty-three touchdowns and thirty interceptions. Okay, so that was two thousand nineteen with the weapons that he had. Okay, in two thousand nineteen. With Miami, with the least amount of weapons, he had Ryan Fitzpatrick had 3,529 yards, 20 touchdowns, and only 13 interceptions. Who had a better season that year? 20 touchdowns? 20 touchdowns to 13. <laughs> Look at the weapons he had. Look at what he had. Look right, what, what did Ryan Winston Fitzpatrick had. have in 2018 with those same weapons? Uh, okay, 2018. Let's go to 2018. 2,366 uh, yards, 17 touchdowns. To 12 interceptions. 12 interceptions. So they're okay? very, very similar. With a, a, a 66% completion percentage over there. Okay? And how many games did he play? How many games did he play? He the played seven games. He played seven games. Okay? Seven games. Jameis Winston in 2017. Let's see his numbers. 3,504 yards. Um, 19, 19 touchdowns, 19, 11, 11 interceptions, okay. and look at the weapons he had. And 63%. So Ryan Fitzpatrick threw 66% to his 63, and he had more weapons over there in Tampa. Right. A lot more weapons. 20, 2016, 28 touchdowns, 4,090 yards, and didn't no no Bruce Arians yet. Keep that and you're mind. supposed to be looking up the numbers, not me. And so factor that in. They didn't have Godwin there yet. He was he was still in college. So they had Mike Evans in a big drop off after that. The next best player still, was they still had better weapons than what what we saw with Ryan Fitzpatrick in Miami. Who did he have? Parker? Are you kidding me? Parker can't even stay on the right. damn field. I, I agree with you on the Miami year, but again, you also have to factor in that 
the Tampa Tampa Bay outside of Evans had stretches where they didn't have much before that. They Fitzpatrick had- played six games that year. Um, 2018 played seven games, two and five, 2,366, 17 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. His completion percentage was 66, which is 3%, which is a lot. It's a significant amount. I'm taking Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, you have to judge those circumstances where he's consistently benched and consistently flipped around different teams for that to happen. Ryan Fitzpatrick, let's not forget with the Jets, Brandon Marshall, Eric Decker that year, he was fantastic. But again, those are weapons too. Ryan Fitzpatrick played seven games last year. He's four and three with a 68 completion percentage, which is one of the best in the league. 2,091 yards, 13, 13 touchdowns to eight interceptions, and he wasn't even the starter of the team. I'm sorry, and he's the best backup quarterback in the league. James Winston was a backup quarterback last year, barely got a chance to play, and when he did play, he lost the job from Hill, okay? Taysom Hill won the job over Winston. So anybody that's taking because Winston over Ryan, a scheme fit. I don't care if he's a scheme ass. I don't care if his underwear is up his crotch, okay? He is not better than Ryan Fitzpatrick. So say whatever you want. Ryan Fitzpatrick has been more of a successful quarterback in the league to any of those guys. Ryan Fitzpatrick's yeah, career. Overall, yeah, but over, yeah, overall. We're judging right. right now. Uh, I'm, I'm judging right now. Ryan Fitzpatrick is a better quarterback. Last year, he had 3,529 yards, 20, 20 touchdowns to 13 interceptions. I'm looking at James Winston. He lost his goddamn job. Okay? That guy's never going to get another starting job. He never had it. He he was never going to get it because he's going to lose it again this year to Taysom Hill. Because even though I think that Taysom Hill is a terrible quarterback, too, he's not a starting quarterback in this league. They're both backup quarterbacks. The only reason Hill got it initially is because he was a scheme fit. He was in the system for two. Sean Payton is one of the most complicated offenses in the league, is he not? It it really doesn't matter because both Ryan Fitzpatrick, both Ryan Fitzpatrick has played uh, practically for every single team in the NFL. He's played for seven different teams. Or we're not judging right. career tra- trajectory. We're judging right now with the Saints versus with the Bucks or versus with By the, the way, goddamn is not a curse, all right? So yeah, I, don't no. know. <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about. I'm talking about. But again, going back to when I'm trying to compare and contrast both players, I'm taking Ryan Fitzpatrick right now over Jameis Winston. I don't trust Jameis. I don't. I don't trust him at all. And then you look at, it, the, the, look at the time that he even had on the field this year. He had... Let's see. Uh, he had nothing this year. He had 75 yards. He had 75 yards. Uh, 63. <laughs> He's 7 for 11. That's what he was. Okay, so seven he, for yeah, he didn't play in a complicated system that he wasn't used to yet. Mm-hmm. So I would, still give him, I would still give him the benefit talent-wise in that system because it's not like you're learning something that's more traditional or something that's more basic. You're learning Sean Payton's offense, which was a, a trendsetter. So that's the, the excuse. Is, is that's the excuse. That's a hard offense. But that has nothing to do with the excuses on who's a better quarterback. I'm taking. If you put Ryan Fitzpatrick over there, you don't think he's going to figure out? Maybe the scheme? we don't know. He would have figured out the scheme, and he's a better quarterback. He's a better fit over there than Jameis Winston is. Everywhere, everywhere Ryan Fitzpatrick has gone, he's been successful in his first year. In spurts. It, one year, and you have now you have Ryan Fitzpatrick. How much you want to put money on it? Let's let's make a bet. Let's make a bet. Who do you you? So you're going to take Jameis Winston to have a better season than Ryan Fitzpatrick with all year. the weapons in New Orleans yes. versus Washington. Yeah, absolutely, in a absolutely. Here's the bet. I think that Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to have a better completion percentage. He's going to have more touchdowns to less interceptions than. 
um, Jameis Winston will. And Jameis Winston will lose his job to Taysom Hill sometime this year. And Ryan Fitzpatrick will be the starting quarterback all season. You have season. to judge who the quarterback make is for Washington. Right? I'm telling you right now, it's right. Ryan Fitzpatrick. It depends on who. We'll see who the quarterback is for Washington. That no, comes no, no. Ryan Fitzpatrick. I'm betting Because him. Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to hold his job the whole year. Right, he's going to hold the job the whole year. I'm going to I'm gonna bet on that. You really are going to bet? I am going to bet on that. A guy that never that. held his job all year except with the Jets. Right, he is going to keep his job this year <laughs> with the Washington Redskins because who does he have? Who do they have as their starting quarterback besides him? Alex Smith is not there anymore. He's probably not going anywhere else. Who's going to be backing up? We don't know yet. They, they could draft one. They They're not drafting anybody. They're not getting anybody. What if they anybody? trade for Sam Donald? You said they could trade for Sam Donald. They can. That's the only way that's going to happen. I don't think Sam Donald's going there. I think there's a better chance of Sam Donald going to Seattle if Russell Wilson gets traded than any other team. So I, I don't think Washington's going to get Sam Donald. I really don't. I think it's just another team and another name that's going to be brought up in conversation. Ryan Fitzpatrick, to me, even if Sam Donald is there, is probably going to still have the job. He's still going to win the job. They're going to have Ryan, They're going to have Sam Donald sit uh, and learn the offense and eventually get the job. Oh, sit and learn the offense, just like Jameis Winston did last year. Um, well, Jameis Winston, he's so stupid. And I'm a Florida State fan. I never liked Jameis Winston. I never thought he was going to be a good quarterback in this league. And I still don't think he's going to be a good quarterback in this league. The guy's a waste of space, okay? And he's not going to keep that job this year. I guarantee it. By the way, um... Uh, CJ says, explain what? Explain it. CJ, what do you want us to explain? I hate Fitzpatrick with a passion. Fitz has the pure kid Hineke packing him up right now. Yeah, we're saying what could happen later, whether they draft one or not. Uh, explain. I'm, I'm trying to figure out if he's trying to agree with you or, or with me. No, he's agreeing with me. Fitzpatrick's he's, he's, he's agreeing with you. Yes. But again, you're also judging the arm talent. You're judging uh, situation. and Arm talent doesn't prove anything because we've seen so many good quarterbacks with great arm talent never succeed. Of course, but, uh, but that's also a result of bad coaching, though, too. Yeah, you could. You're judging Jameis Winston now with actually competent coaching in comparison to he had uh, he had Lovey Smith one year, Dirk Cutter another. Which Cutter, I don't think was a bad head coach, but he's nothing in comparison to to Sean Payton and Bruce Arians. Yeah, he struggled with Arians. Okay, that's a little worrisome. That's why he's probably not a quote unquote starting quarterback. But again, Ryan Fitzpatrick has always been just a glorified backup and oh. just a, a he's a fun guy. Like everyone loves the beard, his personality, stuff like that. And it's it's cool. He's a Harvard guy. Like he's because like, Spit it out. It doesn't so make any We love him for that. That doesn't mean he's an amazing quarterback. He, nobody said he's amazing. He's better than Jameis Winston. Nobody said that he was amazing. By the way, Anthony LaRocket says, sorry to interrupt the NFL discussion, but Sorokin is 7 0, uh, 1.40, and 9, 957 save percentage. I told Mikey C, I sent Mikey C all the numbers. Uh, so we all know what Sorokin's going to be. Sorokin's going to be one of the best quarter, uh, goaltenders in the NHL as he progresses, as he figures things out in the NHL, coming from the K. NHL. He, he lost his first two games of the season. He hasn't lost a game since. So we know what Sorokin is. I, I believe Sorokin's going to be one of the best goal, goaltenders in the NHL uh, for many, many years to come. So, Anthony, uh, you're not lying. Uh, the Islanders have something great uh, pr- uh, right now in the goal nets. Uh, and we know he's going to win the job eventually. He's going to yeah. take. He was going to take the job over for Lamov. I think we, it's that. just for Lamov was surprisingly good again and even better than he was last year. So yes. I think that's why he's holding it right now. So. But uh, getting back into free agency and, and again that the quarterback position, I I I I'd go with Ryan Fitzpatrick right now. I really would. I I don't trust. I don't trust the fact that when you compare and contrast both quarterbacks and where they're going, and by the way, you're going to New Orleans, you're going to have more weapons to throw to, obviously. You have Michael Thomas there. There's nobody on, um, on Miami right now, or, or Washington, Washington right now, that can throw the ball. Maybe Washington gets a wide receiver. Maybe Eric Waddle falls to them. or, or Jalen Waddle. Or, I'm, I'm sorry, Jalen Waddle fall, falls to them or something like that. Or, or somebody else falls to them. Uh, I, I don't know. 
I, there are good wide receivers. There are good slot wide receivers that could become very, very good. And they still have Ma- Ma- McClor- um, McLaurin. McLaurin, who's yeah, a he's very nice. Good I just it's not Michael Thomas. He's nice though. Uh, the, the problem is their drop off after that is again who? I, oh, they just signed Curtis Samuel. I mean, that's what you're trusting as your number two or slot guy, whoever you want, who's more of a gadget type player who they already have one of with Antonio Gibson. So your next two best players are gadget players. So that's going to be tough to trust. Your tight end's a former quarterback who had a nice year last year, but again. We thought we saw that with Terrell Pryor too, and then he fell off the face of the earth the next year uh, on the Washington football team. <laughs> Again, I- I'm not arguing what what we think that these quarterbacks are going to be. I'm just telling you, I don't care what scheme fits what and what how hard it is to understand Sean Payton's d- offense or, or understanding that Ryan Fitzpatrick everywhere he's gone, he's been successful his first year, and then he sucked after that. I don't care about that. I care about who would I depend on, who would I trust in a big game on any of these teams. I'm taking Ryan Fitzpatrick over Jameis Winston. I just don't think Jameis Winston's any good. And I'm going to say that again. He's going to lose his job again, uh, to Taysom Hill again. Uh, CJ says, being a, uh, what does that say? Competent backup is not balling out. Who said they were balling out? Did I say that? I mean, that's not really balling out. No, they're both backup quarterbacks. I don't think anyone's arguing that one is a starting quarterback, but I'm just saying Winston, I still think, has more talent as a whole. Similar levels of both turnover. Both of them have turnover issues. He can run. He's good throw on the run a lot Oh, he can run all right and drop the ball as well. So Yeah, yeah. throw throw it behind himself. Yeah, he learned that that from Mike Glennon, his other quarterback. He absolutely (laughs) stinks. Still, no one's saying he's a competent starting quarterback. I didn't argue that. You're pretty much saying that Ryan Fitzpatrick stinks when he doesn't. He's not great. He's not good. Neither of them are great. Uh, He's better. Guys, I want to put a survey. I am going to get a survey up after the show, and I I want everybody to vote. Who would you rather as your starting quarterback in the beginning of this season, Ryan Fitzpatrick or Jameis Winston? We're going to do this. I guarantee you. I guarantee you there are more people that are going to say Ryan Fitzpatrick over Jameis Winston. So we're going to go through each team, and you're going to tell me are they winners and losers this year. You ready? Alrighty. Seattle Seahawks, winners or losers of free agency? <laughs> Anyone who doesn't say losers, I mean, I, you got to get your head checked. <laughs> I, I would say they're losers. Uh, they're probably going to lose their starting quarterback, Russell Wilson. I Some people are saying that they're gonna, he's going to be traded at the draft. Uh, mm-hmm. The New York Jets are a team that it, it, is so many people are proposing that are going to make a move uh, to trade Sam Donald over there and, and trade Russell Wilson the second pick and possibly the 23rd pick that they traded for uh, the great Jamal Adams. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, they didn't even get back yet. So. Los, Los Angeles Rams, winners or losers? Uh, I mean, I guess right now you have to still say they're kind of in between because they're they're like the Saints. They're trying to shed a lot of money. Big deal that they got Leonard Floyd back. And like I said, I still don't mind the Matthew Stafford trade. So I'll say they're like slight winners considering their money situation. I would say it's a draw. Yeah. That's where I would put okay. him. I would say it's a draw. Matthew Stafford's got to prove himself. Jared Goff last year, even though I'm not a big fan of his, and I love Matthew Stafford. <laughs> Uh, Matthew Stafford going over there. Let's see what Matthew Stafford could do and how he equals to be have better numbers uh, with the team that he has now with the Rams. Uh, Jared Goff had very good numbers last year. He just couldn't win in the big game, and he went to a Super Bowl two years ago. So Matthew Stafford is expected to go to the Super Bowl either next year or the year after that. Uh, if it, if he doesn't, it's a big bust of a trade. So Arizona Cardinals, winners or losers? Huge winners. Uh, two great value picks with J.J. Watt and A.J. Green. Marcus Golden's a solid option as, a, as an edge rusher. Uh, the only thing is they lost Hassan Reddick, but I th- still think that he was still more of a one-year 
wonder. They still have enough linebacker depth. And now they can actually feature Isaiah Simmons more, which is a big uh, fit. And Rodney Hudson, I think, was the best move they made, trading him for just a third-round pick. And, and don't forget good. about Watt, adding Watt right. over there to that team. On the other side of Chandler Jones, I, I think that, and now they have a good duo on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. I, I think that you look at Arizona, Arizona is the winners. They're the winners this offseason. So far, uh, just a great, they won in the draft last year, and they won in the offseason this year. I think with Kyler Murray, and, and it's, it's put up or shut up this year with the coach. So right. uh, the Kingsbury better start to figure out how this team can win the big game and not lose the big game. San Francisco 49ers. I think they're winners right now. I, the only one I don't like is Trent Williams. I think that was a, a bad contract for six years, but Alex Mack is a nice bargain signing one year, 5.5 million. He played with Shanahan in Atlanta. He knows what to do with him. Uh, Jason Verrett getting him back is nice. And Yushchik is very valuable still, even though he's a, like, a player not the Jets were interested. Yeah. <laughs> so he's still valuable in that offense. So I, I like what they did. And, Again, it'll be a big deal of what they can adjust without Salah. That's the biggest issue with them this season. I think they're losers because they lost Robert Salah. I mean, losing a significant piece like that to their defense is going to affect their defense, even with Nick Bosa and some of the players coming back. So I think they're losers. Uh, free agency market, they did okay. Yeah. I know you like it. I didn't like I did. it. Yeah. I, I thought they were okay. So San Francisco, I would say they're more on the down than the up. Uh, the Saints, winners or losers? They're losers. They lost, they lost, they lost Sheldon Rankins. They, lost, uh, they had to franchise tag Marcus Williams. They couldn't get a long-term deal done with him, uh, and they really didn't do much. I mean, they signed Winston, they signed Ty Montgomery, oh yeah, yay. Uh, James Hurst is not bad, but nah, they're losers. <laughs> Here's how they're losers. Jameis Winston's their starting quarterback next year. Losers! They're not winning nothing next year. It doesn't matter who they add. Terrible, terrible, terrible uh, losing Drew Brees now to a retirement. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, winners or losers? They're winners. They kept a lot of their players. I don't think any one of them, one of them got bad contracts. Uh, we'll have to see with Godwin if he gets a long-term deal, but they did very well, in my opinion. <laughs> I, I, I would say they're, they're right where they started from last year. They're going to be a dangerous team. They're definitely the favorites of coming out of that really weak division. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say they're, they're a draw this year. Carolina Panthers. I'm going to say losers for the sole reason of they had a lot of money, and they didn't get a lot on defense like they wanted them to. They got Denzel Perriman, and they signed Hassan Reddick, so Temple South continues with Matt Rule, but... Beyond that, they need a corner help. Their best signings were Sean Melvin. Okay. Uh, their offensive line got a little better. Fine. But they need a lot on defense, and I don't think they got it. Um, there's still time with the edge rushers, but they didn't get it yet. Losers. Absolute losers. They don't even have a quarterback. They don't know if Teddy Bridgewater is going to start for them next year. They don't know where they're going. Are they trading for Deshaun Watson? Are they going in the draft? Are they going to move up and try to get Justin Fields or Zach Wilson? I say they're complete losers. Atlanta Falcons. They're a draw. They didn't really do anything. They're well, they lost Neil. Yeah, they, lo- they lost Neil, which was expect that he's been injury prone. So I'll say they're a draw right now. They didn't do anything bad. They losers. Just, they just don't have a lot of money. Absolute losers. I, uh, I, I think they're going to be a terrible team. I think the fact that they brought in an offensive coordinator does help Matt Ryan, but even I, I think Jones will be traded before the season starts, so I, I think they're losers. Washington Redskins. I mean, Washington football team. Oh, uh, they're winners so far. I think, Sorry about that. I think they've, done, they've done a solid job. I don't think they've done anything special. Uh, William Jackson was a great sign. I think that was one of the best signings so far of any team this offseason. Uh, their offense, they got a couple nice pieces. Uh, they got they refranchised tag Brandon Scherf again, but I'll, I'll say they're I'll say they're winners like slightly. I don't think they were great winners, but I'll say winners. I would say they're winners too. I think uh, I think Washington's made some quality moves. They need to add a wide receiver in the draft. That's something that they definitely need to do. But all in all, I think they're winners. And adding Ryan Fitzpatrick, at least they added a competent quarterback. Uh, something even though Alex Smith coming back there was amazing. 
what Alex Smith did last year. They need a competent quarterback. Uh, the New York Giants. Losers. I, again, over, we mentioned earlier, overpaid for Kenny Galladay. Uh, they, they did sign Leonard Williams, which was fine. I, I actually underrated Reggie Ragland as solid, but uh, they didn't really do anything else, and they overpaid for Galladay. Uh, I would say losers. I would say losers, too. Overpaying for Kenny Galladay really hurt them. Uh, they, they're in cap hell right now. Gettleman needs to figure out who his quarterback is. Is it, is it Daniel Jones? Where is this franchise going? And Saquon Barkley maybe moving him. Uh, this offseason and, and trying to build to this team. I don't, I don't know if they're ready to win. I, and Saquon is, is, a, is, is a winning he's a winning player. You want to put him on a winning team. Um, the Dallas Cowboys, winners or losers? Uh, I would say a draw for them. They, they did get what they get with Dak Prescott. They needed to re-sign him. And Keanu Neal on a one-year deal is not bad. Uh, they still need a lot more on defense, though. So I don't think they did anything bad yet. They just need to still do more. So I'll say a draw for now. I would say they're winners. I, I like Keanu Neal. I think they added to their safety help. Uh, something that's been a big problem for most secondary. I think they need to add another corner uh, in this year's draft. That's something that's going to be very imperative for them and, and very important to them moving forward. Um, I think Dallas uh, signing Dak Prescott was important. Now they have their starting quarterback. So I would say they're winners. Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, losers because they lost a lot on defense, a lot of veteran presences uh, for sure. Uh, I don't think they did bad in the Carson Wentz trade, but I don't think they did great. Uh, that'll help shed some cap. So maybe there's still time for them, but right now they're slight losers. I would say they're losers. They lost Carson Wentz. Uh, bringing in uh, you know, cuckoo's nest over there. <laughs> Another coach that is is, is cuckoo eyes like freaking Adam Gase. Adam Gase, two point oh. oh my god! <laughs> I, I think they're going to have a huge problem firing the coach that won a Super Bowl two years ago. Made absolutely no sense. I don't care. You're going to lose Carson Wentz. Why the heck would you get, you get rid of your coach? It made no sense. So losers. Green Bay Packers. Green Bay. Uh, I like them. I like the Aaron Jones contract. So I'm going to say they're winners. Uh, they did lose Christian Kirksey, but he had a rough year for them. So they still need to address some linebackers. Uh, but they didn't do anything else. Didn't they yet. lose Lindley? And they lost Lindsley, which we expected. But if they paid Jones, they probably wouldn't have been able to pay Lindsley. And I think the value for Jones is still nice, whereas uh, with Lindsley, him being an injury-prone center, I don't know if Green Bay was going to be able to give him the money the Chargers gave him, as good as he was last year. So, again, I would say slight winners. They still need to do more, though. I'm going to say losers. I'm going to say very, very much losers. The Green Bay Packers, Aaron Jones, yeah, she re-signed him. You got your, your, your running back. You lost one of the best centers in the league. You, you've lost some pieces. This is a team that needs to – A.J. Green was a guy that we thought was going to sign by them, and then he goes to Arizona. Made absolutely no sense. They still haven't had that second weapon to help Aaron Rodgers out. They are complete losers. Chicago Bears. Losers. Uh, they, they got a couple nice defensive pieces on, on prove-it deals with uh, Trufant. I like Mario Edwards, but – Again, you couldn't get Allen Robinson to a long-term deal, and you really didn't solve any offensive line issues. So I think losers. they're losers as well. I, 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 they don't know who their quarterback is. Uh, they're trying to figure that out. They tried to go after Russ. They couldn't make that move for Russ. Um, I, I, it's just there. There's so many what ifs. I still think they're going to be a dangerous team. They need to figure out Andy Dalton signing. I think that was an okay move. It's not a move that you can solidify yourself to think that you're a playoff contending team. So I would say they're losers. Minnesota Vikings losers. I think they need a lot more on defense still. Uh, Patrick Peterson's not bad as a veteran corner signing, but he is coming off a down year. They gave Dalvin Tomlinson eleven million dollars for being a run stopper, which they have a lot of already. So I don't know why they did that. And they didn't really address a lot of the other issues they have on defense right now, especially in that secondary. Peterson's a nice start, but they need a lot more than that. Oh, Minnesota's a complete vicious loser, and I I, I don't even know what the hell they're doing. I think their coach is on the hot seat. I Mm -hmm. think they need to get into the playoffs. If they don't get into the playoffs, uh, he's going to be looking for a new job as a defensive coordinator, so they're absolute losers. Detroit Lions, I think they're winners. I think the winners. I I mean the moves that they made, um, the adding to their draft depth. I think they're, they're not ready to win now, but they're winners. Yeah, I would say draw for them right now. They made a lot of good value signings. Uh, again, like I said, 
even though I think the Rams and did well in the golf trade, I think the Lions did well too. They get golf and they get all those first round picks. Uh, Tyrell Williams I like as a, as a number two type receiver. Uh, Michael Brocker is a good trade for them there, even though they don't really need interior defensive line as much. But again, they didn't really address their edge rushers. They didn't really address their secondary yet. So there's still time for them to do that if they can try to shed all their money. But that's going to take a lot. All right, let's go through the AFC pretty quick. Tennessee winners or losers? Losers. I mean, they gave one of the Absolute worst losers. contracts I so far this free agency to Bud Dupree. What are they paying him? $85 million over five years for a guy that's a second-tier pass rusher? There's really, except for Jayon Brown bringing him back, there's really nothing I like. Well, their defense was terrible. That's why they had, to add, they had to add a pass rusher. And they lost Corey Davis, which is going to hurt their offense this year. Mm-hmm. And they lost their offensive coordinator to the Atlanta Falcons. So yep. I think they're losers, too. Indianapolis Colts, winners or losers? They're winners. Absolutely. Bringing back Xavier Rhodes on a pretty cheap deal is this nice. He had a nice year for them last year. I don't think he had the elite year, but a nice year for them. Carson Wentz, they did well in that trade. Beautiful, uh, beautiful. The thing. question is, again, they're... With all the money they have, can they do more? They're slight winners for right now, though. I think they're winners. I think Carson Wentz, he had a quarterback, a future quarterback, a quarterback that's going to be your quarterback moving forward. That's something that they've been lacking. Now they have the quarterback in a Frank Reich offense. And Carson Wentz, his best numbers with, with Frank Wright. So I'm going, I, I think that was a big move for them. Houston Texans. I mean, we kind of expected them losers. to do nothing anyway. They're, they're, they're losers just for who they've been. <laughs> complete losers. And the whole Deshaun Watson thing yeah. is a complete mockery. Uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. Losers. losers. Big Absolute time losers. losers. Could, you believe, could you believe Urban Meyer? All the big talks about Urban Meyer. And he was a complete loser when it came to free agency. Yeah. They needed to make a lot of big signings, and they really did not do that whatsoever. I think they badly overpaid for Shaq Griffin, who is a number two corner type at best. They couldn't really do anything with their offensive line, which is still decent, but they needed to really get uh, Cam Robinson in the long-term deal. All right, let's look at the offensive moves. Carlos Hyde? Yeah, okay. Philip Dorsett? Uh, basically the worst version of Will Fuller and Robbie Anderson. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, is there anyone I like really in this deal? Maybe Tyson Alawalu is their best signing? Yeah, okay. They're mm-hmm. big-time losers. Buffalo Bills. Um, they're slight winners for right now. I still think they need the edge rusher. They're winners. They're winners. Emmanuel Sanders, I think, is a better upgrade than John Brown. Yeah, and I think Williams Feliciano getting them back. Levi Wallace, who I always liked as a slot corner. They still need the edge rusher, though. Mm. I like it. I think they're winners. I, I really do. I think that they're, they're a better team than they were going into la- uh, next season uh, than they were this season. I think they need to add some more pieces, but the draft's right around the corner, and they're not done at free agency yet either. Miami Dolphins. Uh, they're kind of a draw Losers. for me right they now. They lost Van Noy. Uh, they lost Van Noy. They replaced him with McKinney, who's probably similar level, different skill set type guy. Um, I don't think they gave any bad contracts out uh, necessarily like they've done in the past where they've overpaid for guys, but they still need to do more. I think they're a draw right now. I think they're a worse team than they were last year going into the season. I think they need to make more moves, and they need to find a wide receiver. They better do that in the draft because that's a very big weak spot where they're going moving forward. No free agency. There were a couple of good wide receivers available, and you didn't make a move with the money that you had. didn't make any sense. I think it seems inevitable if they keep their pick. Mm -hmm. If if they don't, obviously, they could trade back and do Mm -hmm. stuff with that. New England Patriots, winners or losers? Um, Winners just because I think they got pieces. A lot of pieces. They got pieces, which, again, Bill Belichick will make it work. I mean, the roster didn't have a lot of depth, which made it very hard for Belichick to manage last year with all the guys that dropped out of the season and other guys that got hurt. So, again, I don't like the fact that they overpaid for those two receivers. Nelson Aguilar getting 13 a year and Kendrick Bourne getting uh, almost 10 million a year for a guy who's a number three at best number four type guy. But again, I don't mind the other contracts. I know we've, we've argued about the Judon. They bring, they bring back Van Noy. Raekwon McMillan's another nice, nice mm. underrated guy. So I think they're winners. 
I think they're winners, too. I mean, they added enough pieces that you have to say they're winners. They've definitely rebuilt this team. This is a better team than they were last year. And that's how I say winners are losers, by looking at the team and how it is built. I think the Patriots bringing back some of the Kofid players and then bringing Brown back to solidify that offensive line makes them winners. So New England is winners. Uh, the Jets. Yeah, Big-time winners. I mean, they got, the, I think, the biggest bargain in free agency with Sheldon Rankins. That's a great move for them. Carl Lawson, a nice uh, speed rusher on the outside that they desperately needed. Corey Davis, we have to see if he's a... a number one type receiver, but I don't know if he is, but he's productive regardless. Keelan Cole underrated too. I always liked him in Jacksonville and never understood why he was kind of funneled out of the lineup the way he was, but Jets are definitely winners. And, and by the way, you forgot about Hardy, who, who's mm-hmm. a great special teams guy from the uh, the Saints. Another guy that uh, a lot of people forget special teams is a very important yep. aspects of where the team is and where the team could go. So uh, I think the Jets were definitely winners and I'm not saying that because I'm a Jet fan. They made a lot of big moves to make this team and solidify this team to be a better team this year. Pittsburgh Steelers? Uh, draw. They're kind of cash-strapped. They didn't do anything wrong. They didn't do anything right yet. So I'll just say I would say losers. They lost to Pre. They lost a lot of pieces. They brought back Ben Roethlisberger. They're in cap hell right now. And Juju, even though they won on the Juju move, uh, why would you bring back Juju when you could have spent your money on in other different uh, places? Maybe bring in a Phillips uh, as your running back. Uh, your running back play was terrible last year. I, I, I think you need a running game. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore Ravens, they're winners, they're I think. Winners, yeah, I think Zietler, so, so. who, again, I'm still mad the Giants cut him. Uh, another reason why the Giants are big losers. Uh, great deal for Zietler. They brought back a lot of their own guys for the most part, they which is Judon. good. Uh, they lost Judon. That's really the only one. So they, Oh, they, they lost, what's his name again? Oh, and Nagakwe. All right, but Nagakwe, they didn't have the whole yeah. year. It wasn't really the whole thing. They still got other, they still didn't, it wasn't really their raw guy. So I say they're winners. I would say they're winners, too. I like what the team did. They added the pieces that they lost. So they're practically the same team they were from last year going into this season. And they're going to be a very dangerous team as long as their quarterback stays healthy and they can protect them. Cleveland Browns. I think they're winners. I think they've been very under-the-radar good signings for them. I like the really big deal for Anthony Walker, who's been, who was very underrated with the Colts. Um, they bring in Malik Jackson, Tack McKinley on the defensive line. They re-sign a lot of their receivers. The only contract I didn't like is John Johnson. I thought they overpaid for him $11 million a year for an average, below-average safety. But beyond that, they did very well. Troy Hill, nice contract, too. I think they did very, very well. I think the Cleveland Browns are going to be uh, the best team in this division next year. Mm-hmm. I think they have a very good coach, a very young coach, and even Baker Mayfield, who played better and, and, and proved himself that he can play very well in the playoffs. I think that he's going to have a breakout season this year with a healthy Odell Beckham. Cincinnati Bengals. I would say they're slight winners right now. I still need to see them do more. Well, they, offensive line help. Uh, they, they got need. Riley Reef, who's a nice uh, tackle. That's something they def- definitely needed because their interior is actually not that bad. Uh, they replaced Lawson with Hendricks, and I think they're kind of about the same. So that's not really a big deal. Uh, secondary, they got Mike Hilton, who's a good slot corner, but not much else. I didn't really like more beyond that. So I think they still need a little more on defense, but they're doing well o- okay so far. I think they're winners. Hopefully, Joe Burrows will be uh, be ready for the beginning of the season. The question is, when you look at Cincinnati and where Cincinnati is going, uh, they have to protect this kid. This kid has to have protection. Their number one pick should be an offensive tackle no matter what. Mm-hmm. Keep building to that offensive line. Build a wall for this kid because Joe Burrows is going to be a star in this league. Uh, Clarence says John Johnson's solid. Yeah, he's okay. He's, is he worth $11 million, though? I don't know about that. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, losers. They, they lost... 
their two tackles, and then they replace them with Joe Thune and overpaid, overpaid for him. Yeah, right. so they're losers right now. <laughs> losers, absolute losers. Because what are they going to do to protect Mahomes? Um, they had a problem protecting him in the, su- the Super Bowl, and then you lose the tackles that you lost in the Super Bowl, and you saw the problem that they had. Thune is not going to help the deficiency at the offensive tackle position. So they are complete losers. Uh, the Vegas Raiders. Oh, they th- looked like they were going to get off to a nice start, and then they, it's all fallen off since they got Nagakwe. Great signing with Nagakwe. I would say after rank is the second biggest bargain we've seen in free agency so far. But beyond that, I did not like the moves that they made, and they lost so much on the offense. They lost so much. This team is trying to rebuild this defense, which was so weak in so so many areas. They added Nagakwe, but they lost offensive line, uh, off left, offensive line help. Where, where this offensive line was one of the best in the league, mm-hmm. and it's going to be shooting down as one of the worst in the league this year. So. Bad move. Uh, the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, I would say they're winners right now. I know they lost a couple pieces on defense, but they weren't going to be able to hold they everybody. Lost Turner. Uh, they lost. They lost Turner, but again, Turner was a trade, so he wasn't really that ho- that much of a system fit. They still have other young guards, which are pretty decent. Uh, they bring in Matt Filer. I mean, he's not Turner, but he's still a solid option uh, as a tackle. And Lindsley. and Lindsley, that's the big move they made. Which I always is say nice. Lindsley. It's Lindsley. Lind- Lindsley. So that's a great. I think even though he's again injury prone, like I said, I still think it's a nice signing for that kind of move. And Jared Cook's a solid tight end to replace Hunter Henry too, and he'll actually stay healthy. Josh. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, Josh. I think Los Angeles was a draw. I think they added pieces that they lost. And they're not a better team going into this season than than they were in the beginning of next season. They do have a young quarterback that's proven that he could be a great quarterback in the league, and Justin Herbert, who was Offensive Rookie of the Year. I think they need to add some wide receiving help, even though they have a lot of weapons. I think they uh, slowly but surely, what's his name again, is getting older. Um, and this is a team that really their secondary wide receiving help has not been good. So yeah, uh, Clarence says, do you like the move bringing in Drake with Jacobs? No. <laughs> Why are you wasting that money on running backs when you need secondary help and offensive line now? Because now that you're I like Kenyon Drake, by the way. Yeah, but they don't need him. (laughs) Nice guy. I met Kenyon Drake uh, a couple of years ago. Yes, you did. Mm -hmm. Very, very nice guy. Uh, His publicist is a you-know-what, but... Nevertheless, uh, so. the Raiders don't need tight end Clarence. They have Darren Waller. <laughs> That's true too. Receiver they, maybe, but a tight end no. They need a wide receiver. Yeah, they do. But they very need. surprised they let go of Aguilar. Uh, Aguilar. I think Aguilar was a, a guy that fit their offense. He really did. If he yeah. could stay healthy, he played well in that year. But again, he's been notoriously like that, where he has spurts. No, I remember when Phil, when he was on Philadelphia, where he was a big part of that Super Bowl. He was great in the playoffs. I'll give you that. Yeah. But Eagles fans hated him beyond that because he was basically Robbie Anderson, Philadelphia. <laughs> Denver winners. Or okay, losers. they're actually winners. I didn't even realize I signed Fuller. So sorry what I said about the Jets earlier signing Fuller. So they signed Fuller one year, nine point five. He reunites with Vic Fangio. They're winners. I like what they did so far. They needed to get secondary help. They they gave uh, Simmons a big contract. Uh, I think yesterday, making him one of the highest paid safeties, which he's been underrated for a while. So I actually like that. They bring in Darby, who's yeah. nice. Nice when healthy. I think they're winners. I think they're losers. I, I, I they lost Phillips. They they've lost some pieces. They added some pieces. I, I think they got to decide who their quarterback is now. Deshaun Watson. I, he has been said to say that Denver is one of the teams that he wants to play for. If that is true, they have to do everything they can to make this move to get Deshaun Watson there. They've always had a good quarterback there, except when the Tebow years. But <laughs> they have. They've always had a good quarterback over there over the years. Uh, Peyton Manning went over there. Uh, over the last couple of years, they've slowly but surely died down. And even though I think Locke could still be a good quarterback in this league, uh, last year he couldn't stay healthy. And that's a big problem. You need a quarterback that can stay healthy. Yeah. So they need to make a move for a quarterback, either trading up to get a quarterback or making a move for Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson. Yeah, Clarence has asked Broncos trade for Watson. 
now that they sign the defensive players, it's they more should. possible for them to be able to do that because they have a lot of pieces on offense. They could use a couple more linemen maybe, but they have plenty of receivers. They have plenty of uh, they lost Lindsay, Lindsay, but they still have Gordon and Royce Freeman. So they have plenty of running backs where I don't think they really need to worry about that. So now that they got those secondary pieces they needed, they they don't need as much on defense anymore. And Vic Fangio is still going to make guys good because he's that good of a defensive coordinator, defensive mind. So they definitely, if they want to again spend the three first round picks, obviously the gamble now with the, with the whole allegations thing that's coming out. But if there's something that gets cleared with Watson's allegations, they could do that. I don't think they'll do it now, but they could do it maybe after the draft or something. Watson's going to be a big part of Denver's uh, rebuilding. They need somebody that can throw the ball. A guy, I think Watson's the best quarterback in the league. You've heard me say it. I think he's better than Patrick Mahomes. Look at the players that he played with last year and look at the numbers that he had. Patrick Mahomes has been playing on a great team ever since he's come into the league with a great coach. Um, Watson, look who his coach was. O'Brien, look at the players that he lost over the last couple of years and still produced the best numbers in, and threw the most yards last year in the league with the, the, the least amount of weapons. So I still think Deshaun Watson is the best quarterback or one, one of the top three quarterbacks in the league. So whoever gets him, no matter what he has done, he's going to be a, a big part of uh, growing for one of those organizations to take him. So. John Ferris says that filler move to the Dolphins, Watson loves him. Okay, maybe it's a selling chip. We still You still have to make the trade first. And second of all, Will Fuller, like, good luck with him playing more than half the season. <laughs> it's going to be so... And you guys heard our uh, winners and losers right now so far in the offseason. Uh, I think the draft's going to play a big part of the winning for some of right. these teams. And, and the, tr- the three teams that really stuck out to all of us were, one, number one, Arizona, and you can agree with yep. me. Number two, the New York Jets. You can agree with me on that. Mm-hmm. And number three, who's the number three team? Cleveland. The Cleveland Browns. Yeah. Those were the two. Who would have thought that Arizona, the Jets, and Cleveland so far have won in free agency? And by the way, the Jets still have $38, 39000000 million to, uh, to dabble with. So I just want to say this about the Browns, too. Look how well they did with the one-year contracts last year, and they were able to keep a lot of those guys. So that's that's they're getting value now. They're finding some of these, these guys, especially defensively, that have worked out well for them. And they improved all everything they needed last year, and look how far they went. When we come back, we're going to get into some March Madness and the NBA. This week is the trade deadline. What do the Knicks do? What do the Brooklyn Nets do? And who do I think is going to show up at the trade deadline that's going to win, which could take them all the way to an NBA championship? When we come back, I will tell you here on Down to the Wire. You're you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're you're, you're You're listening listening to Down to to the the wire. Wire on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. little vibe. I like it. Good choice, Speedy. What? 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 Oh. As you guys know, this is Down to the Wire. I'm your host, Errol Marks. My co-host, Mr. Speedy Petey. Tidy Whitey Man himself. Uh, As you guys know, uh, next month... There will be no more down to the wire or below the mic. I will have one show on this network. We're shelving down to the wire and below the mic, and we're going to bring in the sports loudmouths. And Josh, yes, Josh Silverberg will be joining us for the week. We're going to be doing two shows, Mondays. I, I think we're going to do it Mondays and Thursdays, if I'm not mistaken. We're going to switch the days. It's going to be Mondays and Thursdays instead of Mondays 
and Wednesdays. And Mondays, I think our show will begin, if I'm not mistaken, at 9 o'clock. Is that what we're shooting for? I think we're shooting at Well, 9. yeah, we're gonna, if we're going to do Thursdays, we have, it's going to have to be 9 o'clock. Yes. Sports Betting Weekly is 8 to 9. Yeah, so uh, we'll, we'll, we're working on the times and how we're going to add it in, but... Uh, our show will be moving probably around to 9 o'clock. So uh, everybody that actually doesn't get a chance to watch the beginning of the shows because they have work, uh, they're going to be able to tune in. So uh, it's going to be fun. Uh, it's going to be a new reign for um, our network and for me and Speedy. Having Josh join us is going to be very, very intriguing, very, very interesting. The number one Hunter Henry fan. <laughs> yes. And uh, <laughs> if you haven't listened to the Weekend Crunch and you don't, you haven't had the opportunity to hear me, Josh and Speedy, uh, go back and forth and banter. You're going to love the show. I think you guys are going to really enjoy it. And you're going to love the new logo, too. It's very, very funny. So... Anyways, um, I do want to get into our match ma- March Madness. A lot of upsets, man. Mm-hmm. A lot of upsets this past weekend. But, Speedy, I told you. I told you, Bella. They're going all the way to the national championship. I didn't think I was going to get eliminated the way they did. But uh, either did you with Illinois. Uh, Illinois was no, a lot I, of people. I did not. I was, I was right about Oregon, though. I didn't expect them to destroy them the way they did. They went on to like an 18-2 run to start the second half. Yep. They were up by, I think, six at halftime, and then they just went on a crazy run. They were, they were my sleeper in the Final Four. Depth and coaching matters. And Dana Altman, put some respect on his name, is one of the best coaches in college basketball. Uh, Baylor, they definitely showed out the way they had to against Wisconsin. I think they'll be uh, – Villanova's interesting, though, as a test coming out because they've done very well so far with the two injuries they've had. That's this is, Jay Wright's been coaching wise the best one in the tournament with what he's done. What happened to West Virginia, Speed? What happened to West Virginia? Mm. Well, they had a terrible start. That's Didn't you one. pick them to win the national championship? I did, so I will eat my words on that. Syracuse, the worst Syracuse team I saw on paper that I've seen in a while, beat them. They're well, shooting very, very well in they, the tournament. They right were. Two things uh, hindered West Virginia. One, a terrible start. They were down 24 to 10 where they couldn't score at all. And two, they decided that once Patrick McNeil got hot with it from three, all of a sudden they start trusting NBA-style threes from like five different straight, five straight possessions, and then they just went on cold again. But we've seen Syracuse do this before. We have. Syracuse has done this. We've seen Syracuse as a 16 yep. seed. We've seen them out of 14 They made seed. the final four as a and 10 seed. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> this is a team that zone defense has always uh, been executed very, very well in, in March Madness. And you see... Uh, Jim Beheim's defense actually works in a national championship games. Yeah, and so. it, their offense stepped up too. And give, give, I'll give them credit, all the credit in the world. Because West Virginia had a pretty good defense this year too. But again, yes, my bracket is busted. And the, my well, there's no defense out. fits the March Madness. It doesn't fit the national championship. I don't think they're going to the national championship. But that's no, I don't, I don't even think they're going for the Final Four. I be well in a Sweet 16. That's pretty amazing. They are itself. in the Sweet 16 now. They get to play Houston, who barely came back against Rutgers. Rutgers was up by 10 with fi- under five minutes that. to go. But they fell apart. They couldn't shoot free throws. And their offense for Rutgers, which was inept throughout the season, they finally hindered them at the end of that game against Houston, even though Houston was beating themselves with all the free throws they missed, too. It's going to be very, very interesting. If you look at the bracket, I mean, Gonzaga, we expect Gonzaga has the best region. I, I mean, the easiest region to go all the way to the Elite Eight. But I think they're going to get knocked off once they start uh, to play some of these good teams, oh. either USC or Kansas. Kansas has played very well, too. And then my team in Oregon. So we'll see. We'll Oregon. See. I, I don't think Oregon's going to get out. Whoever wins the USC. A Kansas is gonna win. Is gonna get. I think Kansas could. I don't know about USC because USC is still very inexperienced and they don't not shoot free throws. Good well. offensive team. They are, but they don't shoot free throws well, which will matter in a closer game. The reason they didn't. Who's need your it. top offensive player? Evan Mobley. Yeah, twenty five points. A, uh, yeah, game. He, one of the best freshman phenoms. We'll be talking about him draft time too, and a nice defensive player too. Mm. His brother's pretty good too for mm-hmm. USC. Yeah. 
Um, Iowa gets knocked out today. I was very surprised about that, or, or the way Oregon just completely delivered them mm-hmm. a, a complete spat and smack in the face. Yeah. Um, I thought I was going to my national title game. I didn't pick them to win. I picked Baylor to win. And my team, Baylor, I still think they're going to win. I think slowly but surely they can win their bracket. And I think that if they get into the Elite Eight and, and, and eventually the Final Four, the way they played the, uh, the other day against Wisconsin, a Wisconsin team that's a very good shooting team, uh, it was pretty pretty fun to watch. Yeah, they just couldn't get on that run, and that was the biggest difference. It'll be a tough test, though, if Arkansas, who beat Texas Tech, that. uh, if, that's the, if that's the matchup with Baylor and Arkansas later on, I would watch out for that, though, too. Arkansas won a classic against Texas Tech. That was arguably the best game. I mean, that was one of the best back-and-forth games, and I expected that to be. If, if Texas Tech won, I could have seen even them upsetting Baylor, too, with the familiarity that they have. But Arkansas, their freshman got it done as well. Eric Musselman, very underrated coach at college basketball, mm-hmm. too. How about Maryland? What Maryland has done, they knocked off UConn. Told you they were going to do that. Yes, you did. And I think Maryland could knock off Alabama. Alabama is a dangerous team. Very good offensively, very good defensively, and a lot of people sleep or possibly win a national championship. Mm-hmm. Nate Oates, another nice coach. And Maryland, I'll give them credit. I th- they were kind of with Purdue. They were kind of a young team after all they lost last year. They barely snuck into the tournament as a 10 seed, but they, they beat UConn. UConn's not the same team with Danny Hurley coaching them. Uh, so it, it's definitely a lot. It was definitely an adjustment for them in Maryland. Just really was dominant right out of the gates. And Alabama's going to be a much tougher test, though, with all the offensive depth though they have. Mm-hmm. And then how about Leola Chicago? Yep. They've been the unbelievable. When you talk about teams, remember a couple of years ago, Davidson, VCU, years and years ago, yep. all these teams Butler. go to, mm-hmm. why can't Loyola Chicago make it all the way to the Final Four? They absolutely can. And I think that they were my, they're my pick right now. I, 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 I'm mad because I almost picked them against Illinois, and then I went with the LSU-Michigan upset instead. But they're underseeded, and they're showing you why. They're the number one defense in the nation. They had as good of a defensive game plan on – Arguably the best point guard in the nation against mm-hmm. Illinois with Desomnu. They were creative. They did a lot of different things defensively. And offensively, they're better statistically than their final four team three years ago. This is a dangerous team. Watch out everybody in that region. Watch out Houston even. Uh, if they play in the Elite Eight, that's going to be a tough, tough test with what they showed against Illinois. If and they Mi- dominated. If Michigan could get out of this game against LSU, well, a lot of people thought mm-hmm. uh, LSU could be a sleeper to go all the way to the Elite Eight. But if they can get out of that game, I think Michigan's going to be very, very dangerous. He, they, if they can get healthy as they move forward in this uh, this tournament going into the Sweet 16, uh, I think Michigan could really go all the way to a national title championship game too. Yeah. So, if they uh, get livers back. They're a good in, shooting team. Yeah, if they get livers back after, if they if they can beat LSU tonight, which I think that game just started. Just started. Um, if they can beat LSU tonight, then yes, I agree with you. That's what I said at this, uh, on the weekend crunch, uh, the show you weren't there for. If they get past LSU, which is a very good offensive team, I have LSU winning the game. But if they get past this game, I agree with you. I think they definitely can go to the Final Four because I don't really – I like Colorado. I don't really see them as a huge threat, though. And Florida State, I mentioned I don't like. So then it'll be just a tough test with Alabama after that if they can advance. But if Michigan gets livers back, that's a big, big deal. And how about Illinois? Everybody's – a lot of people's favorite to win the whole national championship. Uh, some people had Gonzaga. Some people had Illinois. Uh, Illinois got knocked out by – uh, the oh, yeah. Chicago. So uh, they're knocked out, and, and it's so interesting right now. This bracket has been so many. There's so many upsets, and now, Speedy, now that West Virginia is knocked out, who do you have winning the national championship? All right, so now I, so I guess revised that region with Loyola uh, in that in that final four. So then I have Loyola, Oregon, Arkansas, Alabama. I will go. 
again, if Michigan gets healthy, I could see them. But I'll I'll st I'll stay Alabama right now. Uh, for I know you like Alabama for now. I do like Arkansas too. So that's very tough. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe in this kind of year, maybe it's a Loyola kind of year. Maybe you get a crazy eight seed run. Imagine that. Uh, that I, that's what I'm rooting for. I'm hope that I'm hoping that does happen because I do love all the upsets. I do love the, their whole culture the, with Sister Jean, and uh, so I definitely could see it. And they're, again, they're a better team than their Final Four team. But let's not let's not forget about. Uh, 15 seed in the Sweet 16, too. Oral Roberts does it. They beat Florida as well. Only the second one. Florida Gulf Coast, the only other 15 seeds. I got to give them a lot of credit, too, with what they were able to do. I know both of us didn't think they would beat Florida after they beat Ohio State, but give them a lot of credit as well. I I still have Baylor winning the whole thing. Um, I think on the other region now that Iowa got knocked out, I'm going to go with Gonzaga. I think okay. Gonzaga is going to go, and it's going to be Gonzaga-Baylor, two number ones. Going to the national championship. The last time we saw it, Speedy, was? Two, two number, number ones. ones was? Recently. Yeah, uh, Gonzaga, North Carolina, I believe. Mm -hmm. And who won? And North Carolina won that one. That's right. And I think Baylor, I think Baylor wins the national championship still. Still think it's going to be a very fun Sweet 16 and Elite Eight and Final Four. Very, very interesting. I'm, I'm rooting for the 2014 outcome now. Maybe uh, the, the UConn-Kentucky 7 versus 8. Can we get that with Oregon and Loyola-Chicago or something like that? I, that I still would be something. If Baylor plays the defense the way they played against Wisconsin, they're winning yeah. the whole thing. Well, they are a good defense. Uh, I, I don't know why Josh was saying they weren't a good defense. They are they a good defense. They don't play defense sometimes. They, they, they had up. trouble out of the after their COVID break with defense, but their defensive team is still very talented. And I, I told you yesterday on the play phone, the zone. Uh, they played the, similar to the Syracuse zone. Scott, Scott Drew comes from that coaching tree and a lot of their assistants now uh, Oral Roberts coach North Texas a lot of the, a lot of that coaches is spreading so there's a lot more teams playing that zone so they just nearly need to get back into it plus the competition in the Big 12 is very tough too so it took them a while for them to get back into it but they're mo they're notoriously more of a defensive team though that's the weird part they're just more offensive this year in comparison to previous years and there you go guys that is our thoughts to the bracket very very interesting so many things happening right now with March Madness, and, and we've been excited. I really didn't start watching March Madness until Sunday. I'm going to be honest with you. I missed um, most of Saturday, um, all of Friday, which is the fun, the best day to watch it, mm -hmm. is is the first full day of March Madness. Oh, really, you didn't see Oral Roberts upset no, Ohio State? No, I, I mean, I watched coming to, you know, I watched the, the previews and yeah, all that other gotcha. stuff, but I, I never got to watch any of the games. But uh, yesterday I watched... Uh, uh, I watched the whole the whole day worth of NCAA basketball. It was fun to watch. I watched Syracuse knock off West Virginia. I watched that whole game. Uh, Bob Huggins' face at the end of the game. I, yeah. I don't think he expre expressed enough of what he thought about his team at the end of the game. Now, by the way, let's also not forget Virginia lost too. So yes. at least I'm happy in that respect. Well, we, we all knew Virginia <laughs> wasn't going to show up in their game one way or another. They were going to lose early in this bracket. So. Yeah, shout out to Ohio too. I mean, a nice uh, nice story. 13 seed, their first tournament since 2012. I remember they made the Sweet 16 and they hang they hung tough with North Carolina. They took them to overtime. So shout out to them as well. It was a school I visited, got accepted into. So very nice. You campus yeah so i'm rooting for them to not to play basketball that's for sure no no <laughs> no i definitely couldn't Speedy play basketball, playing basketball I, I, I could play basketball at any college level so uh, he has a better chance of farting than playing basketball at a yes, college of course level. well there I, th go. I think 90 percent of the country does well not me you know i'm just kidding I, i'm not playing college basketball anyways i'm a pretty good basketball player by the way so uh, i believe you <laughs> i'm a pretty good athlete i still never got to see the uh the beef in me no 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 the the 
you and Matt versus the two Rubos matchup that was we very highly touted them. in 2017. We would have destroyed. <laughs> we would have destroyed the Rubos. We were planning that, and it never happened. I was gonna. I was. What was I gonna announce a referee or something like that? Gumby and uh, Pokey, whatever his name is. That, that, that's what I call them. I, I call them <laughs> the two guys that talk a lot of crap. They, when they get on the court or they do anything, they they're gonna lose. They're two big mouths. But okay? now that you brought it up, yes, you and the beef would be an entertaining one too. I want to. I, I want to play the beef. The beef is back down. He's back down. He says he could beat me. So uh-huh. uh, I'm looking forward to it. That's for sure. Maybe this summer when I get healthy, we play a game of basketball. I'll have a whole new neck. So there you go. Maybe, maybe we'll bring Jeff to heckle the beef. <laughs> we'll have him refereeing. Oh, God. No, I'll referee. Jeff has to heckle. Oh, <laughs> that would make it a lot more fun. Oh, my God. You, you and that laugh, too. It goes to Crow and that, I don't know what you call this laugh. I mean, uh, I don't know. I know, I know, I know. Scrooge if, McDuck laugh. I know it'll be in full effect if, if, Jeff, if Jeff comes and heckles that game for the beef. Oh, man. You remember, remember DuckTales? You remember that? I've heard of it. I think it was a little oh, you're before. Young. It was a little before my time. I know yeah. all the fans, uh, everybody that listens to the show. I remember DuckTales with uh, uh, Scrooge McDuck. That remember how he laughs? Speedy's one of Speedy's laughs is like Scrooge McDuck. It's terrible. Anyways, so I'm, so I'm Scrooge Petey now. That's uh, my nickname. No, I didn't give you Scrooge. <laughs> Petey. Uh, I want to think I look like the kid from Peach Dragons. You're you, bringing you back do. old pop culture animated things. <laughs> All right, could I get to the next subject here? Because you're, you're cutting me off. I want to get into the NBA, and this week Thursday is the trade deadline. Uh, it's so interesting because we talk about the two New York teams, the Brooklyn Nets, the New York Knicks, both teams are going in two different, uh, you know, two different areas of their game. The Knicks are a borderline playoff team and the Brooklyn Nets right now are the second seed right behind, uh, the Philadelphia 76ers. And I I would, before I get into the Philadelphia 76ers and why I think that one move can make them an NBA championship competitive team. And my favorites coming out of the East, um, uh, going into this trade deadline, the thing that stands out to me with the Knicks, are they thinking that they're ready to win now? Or are they thinking about holding back, waiting till the offseason with the $40 million that they have and, and deciding what they're going to do, either re-signing or giving uh, Julius Randle an extension and bringing another superstar to play beside him and you have your one-two punch with some of the young players that you have with the draft stock that you have in the next couple of years? Or do you trade out of those picks and try to move up to get the player that you want in this year's draft. So, uh, Speedy, I'll, I'll tell you what I, I see the Knicks doing. Um, they're going to do. They're going to heavily go after Victor Oladipo. They, that's the guy I think the Knicks are shooting for because Victor Oladipo and Julius Randle is a nice one-two punch. It's not a championship one-two punch, but it's a nice one-two punch. And you have them, and then in the offseason, if you can make a move for Devin Booker, if Devin Booker wants to come here with the money that you still have, you can really solidify your team with Booker, Randle, and Victor Oladipo. You have your one-two-three punch, your triple uh, your triple, what do you call it? Your big three, your triple bypass. Triple threat. Oh, you know, triple threat or whatever the heck you call it. I think you have t- uh, three players that are quality players, and you still have R.J. Barrett. So um, you keep R.J. Barrett, and then you have your four guys. So uh, what is your thoughts? Uh, what do the Knicks do at the trade deadline this year? I agree with you. I think Oladipo at the right price would definitely be nice. And Houston's going to, again, try to sell him as quickly as possible. They had a nice start when he came there, and now they've fallen, I think, 14th in the Western Conference now. So, uh, yeah, they're going to try to get as much as they can for him. He's been an injury-prone player. But, again, if he's a culture guy that players want to go to and the Knicks can lure free agents with it, I would definitely be encouraged by it. Obviously, that's something that 
us behind the scenes, we don't really know as much in terms of what these who, who wants to play with who. It's a, always a crazy wild card with these NBA players. But Victor Oladipo has always been that kind of guy, a good, humble superstar. Uh, I wouldn't say superstar. Well, he's he's not, uh, he star, was a star, superstar. Star, he yeah. was a superstar last year when he was 100% before last year yeah. when he was 100% healthy. And he, he hasn't been a superstar since. But yeah. whole, I think he can get to that point. I think he can right. score 24, 25 points on, on the New York Knicks with the Julius Randle averaging that many points. You, you have your one-two punch. Then you have an R.J. Barrett. You decide to go after Devin Booker, which a lot of people believe that Devin Booker is going to force his way out of there. And then you have a, su- a championship competitive team here in New York. So I don't know how much truth is going to be put into the Devin Booker trades. It's a nice, it's a nice thought for the for the Knicks for sure. I've heard a lot of stories. I, I I really hope you're right. I just I think Phoenix is really doing a great job building something over there. Chris I- Paul is there for another year, and then he's done. Chris Paul is going to be done. He's an old, he's 36 years old. Chris Paul, as a point guard, the guy always fights injury. Chris Paul's not going to be there that much longer. And I think Devin Booker, knowing that, uh, being that it makes sense to go to the Knicks, he has a very close relationship with Wesley and Rose and uh, with the the Kentucky coach and Payne and and some of the Kentucky players that they have over there. I could see him absolutely forcing his way out. See, I think the Knicks will pursue it. I'm not saying if they're not going to try, but I, I, I think the Suns are actually building something culture-wise. We look at... What? what I mean, what, besides Chris Paul. What, what, if Chris Paul's gone, what are they going to do? What NBA players want, we've, we're seeing this trend. They either want to play with another superstar, which has always been a wild card. And what's going to happen when he's done? What are you going to do then? But Chris I'm, Paul's not who we're, we're targeting here. We're who, looking at talking? Devin Booker. So Devin Booker... But he, Devin Booker, the reason why they're better this year is because of Chris Paul. Absolutely. I'm not denying that, but I'm saying Devin Booker, he hasn't had that chance to really to, to elevate in terms of him getting say in the organization because they weren't winning before that. Now they're winning. They're the number two seed. Because in the... of Chris Paul. Okay, but Devin Booker's still playing amazing. Man. Yes, so... but Devin Booker's playing amazing because of uh, the double teams that Chris Paul is demanding. Okay, but again... He's and DeAndre still... Ayton, to me, as much as you want to say it, he has not really shown me that he has the he was he had the potential or the player that we thought he was going to be. He's been in a league now. This is his third year, and I'm sorry, DeAndre Ayton has not looked good. Okay, but again, a lot of their other young players have played better too. So I think that as a result, they have a they have a lot of money they have because a lot of these guys are younger. And the other thing the NBA players really like they they prioritize a lot of these warm weather cities too. And we see with Miami, obviously the two LA teams get a lot. Uh, Houston for a while got a lot. Everyone. To play down there, so I think that could be the next team that uh, gets enticing because of that. And again, the Western Conference rivalries. There's a lot of different factors that I think Phoenix can grow into that kind of team, where the NBA players that that sneaky destination that isn't LA, that isn't one of those big cities that they could go to. The Knicks are in that too, obviously being a New York team. But I don't know if the Suns are just going to lose it automatically just because of losing Chris Paul because their young core. I know you say with the Thunder they had a lot of young core, but their mm-hmm. young core took a big leap to this year, and they were supposed to. These are a lot of high end draft picks. That their were two best to. players are Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Ayton right now is averaging in forty one games fourteen point five points. You have guys on the New York Knicks, Quigley, who's averaging. He's it's he's, he's a rookie. And he's averaging almost 13 points a game. So you look at DeAndre and yes, he's averaging 14 and 10. For a big man that everybody thought was going to be a 25 and 10 guy, a 25 and 12 guy, and averaging two blocks a game with his dominance as a defensive player, uh, nobody would have thought that DeAndre Ayton would be this big. His career right now in 150 games, 16 points and 10 rebounds. For To me, that's not a superstar player, especially uh, what everybody was expecting this kid to be. So uh, DeAndre Ayton is 
really not uh, providing. I know he's 22 years old, and he's only he's only going to get better. But come on, in three years, this is what you're averaging. It's not it's not a good sign for DeAndre Ayton. And maybe he doesn't fit over there. Maybe he doesn't get along with Devin Booker. We've heard stories over there, and maybe Chris Paul being being over there is helping them as a team. I don't think they're going to get over the hump. I don't think they're going to uh, the finals. And if this is the way they're going to be, if they're a semifinal team or they're a Western Conference team and they can't get over the hump, even with uh, the Lakers being hurt the way they are, the Clippers and some of the other teams as a Chaz, if they can't get over the hump and go to the finals, uh, I do believe Devin Booker is going to know that there, there's no way in hell this team is going to go to the finals. And anywhere in the near future, he's going to want out. See, the problem is, though, because they was such a big random leap that you can't really judge that on one year. It's not a I'm track just telling you what I've read. Okay, it's, it's not a track record of losing in the playoffs like you saw with Houston, like you saw with the Thunder before that, before they lost everybody. Chris Paul is a good playoff player? Um, up and down, I would say. He's not a good playoff player. And, and numbers would show you he's not a good number, uh, a playoff player. Chris Paul is a great player. He makes the team around him better. He's also 36, going to be 37 years old. He's getting old. And I do believe Devin Booker, knowing that the New York Knicks, I'm just telling you what I've read. Devin Booker, with his connections over there with New York, it makes a lot of sense on why he's going to ask out over there. And and believe it or not, before this year, before the move for a uh, for guy like uh, Chris Paul, there were stories coming out that Devin Booker wanted out. Yes, so, yes. Before in the off season, yeah, and I think those so. What does it change? Tr- Chris Paul there? two seed in the West. Yeah, because Chris Paul is there, and when Chris Paul is gone, what do you think they're going to be? They're not going to be a good team. But Chris Paul is still there for one, and number two, he's there for another year. Mm-hmm. So if they get that big name now, and all of a sudden they get enticed with, if Chris Paul's gone, and say they get Carl Anthony Towns or something like that, then all of a sudden you get the two superstars. Why would they get Carl Anthony Towns when they have DeAndre Ayton? One could play how powerful they're not going to do that. They don't, they don't, uh, first of all, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think Carl Anthony Towns is going anywhere. And if he goes anywhere, uh, uh, the Timberwolves are going to send him out east to the east side, not to the west. So, their only offer, um, who knows? Really, you don't think the Knicks will make him an offer? You don't think well, it depends on what you don't think end up getting. You don't think the Cleveland Cavaliers will try to make an offer to him? (laughs) Yeah, the Cavs, what do the Cavs have to trade? They they have draft pick, they have draft check. How about OKC? You don't think OKC will make a move for him? Fine, but. Again, I think the Knicks and the Suns are in the same situation, though, when it comes to young... I'm just telling you. Right. When it comes to young players, they're in the same boat. The Knicks obviously have more draft picks, but the the Suns are obviously progressing better in the Western Conference, which is obviously way better than the East. And they have the young talent coming You are blowing up this Phoenix Suns team like there's something special. They have one player and a player that has not produced in the playoffs, had never seen the finals before in his career, with all the good teams he's played for, with all the good superstars he's played for. So, again... You're, go- you're talking about Chris Paul taking this young team all the way to the finals. If this team doesn't get over the hump and this team doesn't go to the finals, I'm going to tell you again, Devin Booker is going to want out of there. You're judging on one I'm, t- I'm judging what I've read. I'm judging what has been said through the organization that he wanted out last year. And what changes where he thinks because of one player who's 36, going to be 37 years old. And even if he's there for another year, and he knows that he's only there for another year, he knows that this... This team is not going anywhere over when it comes to the Lakers, when it comes to the Jazz, and when it comes to the Clippers and all the powerhouse teams in the Western Conference. I'm telling you right now, Phoenix will be But like, they weren't supposed to be close to those teams, and they are. <laughs> because of Chris Paul. And when Chris Paul is gone, I'm going to I'm gonna make a bet with you. Phoenix doesn't go to the Western Conference Finals, okay? They're not going to the Western Conference If they don't Conference get anyone else, yeah, of course. They're but- not. 
They're not. They're not. And you can make all the all the, the, the thoughts and you go. Devin Booker has said, and there were stories coming out from his agent that he didn't want to be there. I'm not even saying the Knicks. He might demand to want to go to Miami. He might want to go somewhere else. I'm telling you right now, Devin Booker in two years will not be a Phoenix Sun. Devin Booker is not uh, Chris Paul is not the only reason though that the Suns are better though. No, yeah, what what were we? They have about? other young players that played well. Who? They have a new coach Who? that has been that has been nice. Who's played well? All the draft picks that were supposed to play well mm. uh, five four or five years ago mm. are playing well. Mm-hmm. I know Aiton's underperformed. I get that. They have a, a lot of the rookies this year have, have played very well for them. Their front court, which everyone was supposed everyone's thinking they're supposed to be bad, are are playing well. They have a t- they have a team that was. Not supposed to be as deep as they were either, and they've played better. So this is a team that's a number two seed for a reason. It's not like are the Lakers and Clippers that badly underperforming when they're a number two seed? No, they're still good. the The Nuggets okay, maybe they're underperforming. Yeah, all right. So Utah's one and Phoenix is two. They were supposed to be a, maybe at best a five seed. Nobody thought they were going to be a five seed. I thought they were going to be a lot better. I even told you in the beginning of the season they're going to get be they were going to be a top four team. So why are you Paul? downgrading them now? Because I don't think they're going to be a good playoff team because Chris Paul isn't a great playoff player. None of these players played in the playoffs. And again, this team, as much as you think that they're so good and on paper, what they've done that DeAndre Ayton has really been a guy that they expected to be a good player has not become really has been a bypass of what people thought he was going to be. Yeah, Bridges has played well. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's certain players, but Bridges is not that much better than DeAndre Ayton. So again. I'm looking at this team, and Chris Paul, everything is going to be riding on Chris Paul's health, and I don't trust that Chris Paul is going to stay healthy. And this team is a I don't semifinal. think we're arguing, though, for this year. I think we're arguing for the outlook of what they can get, being that they only have one max contract right now in Booker. And that could be enticing for a superstar player or another player that could be a superstar playing alongside Devin Booker that maybe never had that. So all I'm saying, it's a future potential destination. And I am telling you that Devin Booker doesn't want to be there. So even though he's happy right now with Chris Paul being there, when Chris Paul is gone, he is going to want out of there. So I'm just telling you what I've seen and what I've read, and I'm not the only one that have said it. There are analysts that have said that Devin Booker wants out, and the whole Leon Rose, whole Wesley, the whole thoughts of right now of where this team is, a lot of people are saying that they want out. So if he wanted out last year, why didn't they trade him last year at a, at a high point when they played well in the bubble? They, If it wasn't for Portland, they probably wouldn't make the playoffs. Why didn't they trade him right after that and say, all right, this is a good selling point. We're going to get all these draft picks like OKC did. Why didn't they trade him then and not trade for Chris Paul and just go from there with the young players if that was the case? They were trying to keep Devin Booker there, and that's why they're doing it. So why why wouldn't they keep Devin Booker I, there on a 2C that made the playoffs? Because I'm telling expected. you right now, he don't want to be there. So I'm just telling you what I've heard and what I've read. And there are a lot of insiders saying that he doesn't want to be there. Uh, there, are, there are a ton of insiders. Uh, Woj, Woj said last year that he wanted out of that place. The only reason why he's still there and he's happy right now where this team is going is because Chris Paul is there. We'll see what happens. Let's go to a quick break. And when we come back, uh, we I want to get into who I think is going to be uh, the team to stand out if they make this move. I, I think the 76ers are a team to, uh, that is going to be a force to be reckoned with if they make a move for a particular player. When we come back, I will get into that. And I'm going to argue why. Uh, I heard enough on one of our shows in Smoke and Mirrors today. I want to argue why Glaber Torres is a better offensive player than Lindor. When we come back, we'll get into that here. On the weekend crunch. I mean, I'm um, um, sorry. Below the, uh, down to the wire. I'm sorry. I'm third all over the place. Then. Third time's a charm. <laughs> you're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
You're, 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 you're listening, listening to Down to, Down to the, the Wire. Wire on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. This, yes, is Down to the Wire. I didn't forget the name. Remember, you can listen to us every single Monday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You can call us at 631-500-0548. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. And you can download our app on iOS, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I wanted to go to a quick break, uh, but I, I, I want to finish up with the NBA, and I want to do... I want to argue these points about Glaber Torres and, and Francisco Lindor, and I know you have your own thoughts to my argument with what uh, um, what it was smoking mirrors. Smoking mirrors. It was said today. Uh, you specifically mentioned Greg when we were on the phone earlier, yes, and, and I think I think just project the guy. I think I'm going to be somewhere in between you guys, but we'll see. <laughs> Anyways, um, I want to finish up. I think the team that could change their thoughts in their uh, really their chances of winning an NBA championship is the Philadelphia 76ers if they make a move for Kyle Lowry, okay? Mm -hmm. I think Kyle Lowry has been on the trade block for the last couple of weeks. I think he's the name that everybody's talking about, and something that Philadelphia has been lacking is the point guard position. Ben Simmons is not a natural point guard. He's more of a a three or a four. He's He's a big... He's a big point guard. A lot of people thought he could be he could play the point guard position. He's more of a power forward. Uh, with uh, has a very good ability of passing the ball. He's not a very good shooter. <laughs> He's not a good free throw shooter, as we've seen. Uh, I think adding Kyle Lowry could really change the whole source of what the 76ers could be with the coach that they have. I'm not a big fan of, but I, I think that this team is stacked. I think they have great bench players. Uh, they have a lot of good players, but not great players on his team. And they have a superstar in Joel Embiid. Uh, when healthy, he's, he's the best big man in the NBA. Yeah, I, I like it too. I think it'll take a lot of pressure off Ben Simmons. It'll allow Ben Simmons to be used in different types of matchups too. And I think what, that's what Doc Rivers is going to utilize a lot more rather than just having him play one spot. And the Sixers, over the years, they've lost a lot of depth, whether it's shooters, whether it's other point guards that they've had. And now they have a chance to get one back. A Kyle Lowry from Philly went to Villanova, played very well over there, really helped spark that program a lot more to what they are now. And then obviously he's been around the NBA. He's with the Spurs, with Toronto, won a title over there there. So the question is with Lowry is will he bring that same playoff spark he brought to the Raptors two years ago? Because remember before that he was a terrible playoff player. But I agree it'll help you where it could at least it's better than what Simmons and Embiid have brought in the playoffs which has generally been bad so far too. I want to before we leave and we have about 12 minutes I want to argue I listen to Smoke and Mirrors today okay and they were comparing contrasting the New York Yankees infield to the Mets infield and that they said and I and I liked it. I, I like what they said. There was some things, there was some quality that they were saying, but there was a lot of things that were thrown off to me. And by the way, Carl, I, I I'm sorry, I didn't see what you said. Uh Let's read what Carl said. Sons right, are this young. This is about the Devin Booker debate. Uh, sons are young. He isn't asking out. He will wait out for a max offer. Yeah, I think a bigger max offer. He has a max offer right now. Uh, if Book wants out now, then he is forfeiting his chance at a max deal. He won't bar, but I don't know uh, that. Oh, typo. He won't. He yeah. won't budge, I think. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it seems like Carl's agreeing with me on that. <laughs> well, that's fine. I, I, Which I is rare. Carl never agrees with me. <laughs> I beg to differ, but uh, that's Carl. I want to apologize to Carl that we didn't answer his questions because it was something wrong with the uh, Facebook feed. Um, but 
I, I want to argue what, what Greg was saying. And I said, and I argued him through debate, through his, um, his feed, um, the uh, Smoke and Mirror feed. And they have a great show. They really do. Declan, Greg, and Steph. They're very good, very talented. Uh, but they debate about a lot of things. And they, when, they, when you debate about something, it, it, no, there's no winners or losers when it comes to debating. What wins you a debate argument is coming with uh, more information and more arguments to the argument. Quality. A quality argument. It doesn't matter if you're right or wrong. It's how you attack the argument. Okay? Now, my argument to Greg when he said Lindor is a better all-around and a better offensive player than Gleyber Torres is, go look at Gleyber Torres' playoff numbers to uh, Francisco Lindor's. Now, they played almost identical time and uh, identical games and identical at-bats in the playoffs. Being Lindor has been in a league for about almost seven years to uh, Gleyber Torres three. And Gleyber Torres had that awful year last year, but when he went into the playoffs, he was batting three fifty three. And you look at Gleyber Torres' numbers in the playoffs. He was he was hitting three forty three. He's got over I think seven or eight home runs. He's his, I think he's got almost twenty or nineteen or eighteen RBIs in the games that he's played. Um, his on base percentage is ridiculous. Uh, he walks more than he strikes out. I mean that's what you expect from a playoff player. Francisco Lindor in his career in the playoffs is a two sixty three hitter. And yes, he has a couple of home runs, and yes, he's had his problems against the Yankees, but he's had his problems in the playoffs. He has not been a good playoff player. And that's what you expect from a guy that you're expecting to pay 300 and some million dollars. Now, I'm not saying, now, here's my argument. I'm not saying Francisco Lindor is not a better overall, better player than Gleyber Torres, because he is. He's a 5 tool player. Gleyber Torres is a 4 tool player. I don't think he's as good defensively at the shortstop position as Francisco Lindor. And that's that, that there's no lie on that. Francisco Lindor is the best defensive uh, shortstop in the MLB. But as far as offensively concern, concerns me, I look at numbers. And numbers equal. Now, uh, Lindor is a two, career 285 hitter in, in almost seven seasons. To um, Gleyber Torres is a 271 uh, batting average right now in his career. Now, Gleyber Torres played three years, and last year was a quarter of a year or a half a year or whatever it was. Uh, yeah. um, um, 50 games, 60 games, that's not enough sample size. I, I, I kind of cut out that year. If you want to cut that out with Lindor, Lindor had a terrible right, year last down, year. Yeah. He was terrible last year, too. And he's, he's asking for a $300 million contract. But if you compare their numbers to home runs, to batting averages, everything, in a three-year span, if you look at Gleyber Torres being that he's three years younger and he has three years to get better than, more than a guy like Lindor, I'm, Gleyber Torres has better numbers or overall than Francisco Lindor. It's just... Those are facts. And you you look at the numbers, and I'm just estimating numbers because he's only been in a league for three, and Lindor's been in a league for almost six or seven years. Yeah, six. So, so I'm just looking at the numbers. Uh, if, if you average out the numbers that he – I think Gleyber Torres has 68 home runs or 65 home runs to Lindor's 130-something home yeah, runs, Yeah, 65 right? home runs, 183 RBIs in his career. Mm-hmm. I believe Lindor is over 100. I think he's 111, I go, want to say. Go look, up, look at those numbers because numbers are what shows. In baseball, you, you have to compare and contrast numbers because baseball, it's all analytics. It's all numbers. You hear that, Beef? Yes, it's all <laughs> numbers. So let's go to Lindor. What is his – Oh, 138. Actually, has more than I thought. 138 home runs. Yes. 411 RBIs, career 285 hitter. You're right about that. Yeah, so 99 stolen bases. And how many RBIs does he have? 411. 411 in three in in, in six, six years. years. Six years. Now, Gleyber Torres, 
who, remember, he only has really two full seasons because last year I, I cut it out. Gleyber Torres is on his way to have more RBIs if you look at the estimated numbers and more home runs. And his and his on base percentage is 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 just about as good or better than uh, Francisco Lindor. What's his on base percentage? On base percentage for Lindor. Yes, get me an on base percentage right over there. Is three forty six. Okay. Glaber Torres on base percentage is three forty. So they're pretty close. Yes. So um, my compare and contrast of what these guys are. I'm looking at numbers. If you look at player, if you're trying to compare their regular season numbers, if their offensive numbers are very similar, cut that out. So you got to compare their de- their offensive numbers in the playoffs. Who's got better numbers in the playoffs? I'm going to take Labor Torres. He's a career 340 something hitter, and he's got more, just as many home runs or more, just as many RBIs or more. His on base percentage is definitely more than Lindor. He's a better overall player offensively than Lindor is in the playoffs, and they they practically have the same amount of at bats, 88 to I think 96 or something like that. So to me, I'm taking offensively Labor Torres. My argument wasn't that. Lindor isn't a better player, a better overall player. He is, but not by much, not by much at all. And Gleyber Torres is still a very young player. He's going to develop even to a better player. He, he's going to have more opportunities to hit more home runs and, and being in the lineup that he is. Gleyber Torres also has been playing in the American League, league uh, in the American League East his whole career to um, Lindor playing in the Central, right? Mm-hmm. He was in the Central. The Central, in the last... The last five years, not the last seven, eight years, in the last five years of Lindor's career, Lindor has been in the easiest division, the easiest division in baseball. You talk about Cleveland being the best team in that division. The White Sox are just getting better now. They're a young team. They've been a terrible team. Detroit, the last five years, they've been horrible. Horrible the last five years. Then you talk about Kansas City. Since they won a, a, a World Series. Which they, was Lindor's rookie year. Yes. Yep. They have not been good. They have not been a good team. Who else is in that division? Uh, the Twins. The who Twins. Have been, who have been on and off. Uh, They're a good years. offensive yeah. team, but that, that has a lot to do with the division. That has a lot to do. But th- this is not a good team. The Twins can't get out of the first round. They well, never can. They, that's their own playoff woes. So that's not based on roster construction. Or but that, like that. that's also because they're in the easiest division in, in sports. They're in the easiest division. Lindor has played some of the best, the easiest. When you're playing in, in a division, that you're playing 19 to 18 games off of every single competitive team in your division. You have an advantage than you do, than you do when you're playing in the American League. Right, remember the Royals also had playoff success, though, too. Uh, I, again, I'm going to tell you. In the last three years, the Royals have been crap. No, when they were in the playoffs, I'm talking about. I'm talking about in the last three years. How good the Royals have been. However, the Royals the, now are rebuilding. I'm saying they're a terrible. That's not my argument. Now I'm talking about how bad the division has been in the last couple of years. That has been a terrible division. The Yankees division is still one of the best divisions in baseball. That is my argument right here. There's nothing to argue about from that. I'm trying to compare and contrast what division these 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 players have been and where in the three years that Gleyber Torres has been in and the three years that Lindor has been in, he has had easier competition than Gleyber Torres has. That's my argument. That's it. It has nothing to do with what they've been in Kansas City winning a championship a couple of years ago and how many times they've been in the playoffs. That is not my argument. My argument is when I'm trying to compare both players and the divisions that they've been in and the players that they are all around, I'm taking offensively Gleyber Torres. All around talent, I'm taking Lindor. Lindor is a better defensive player. 
at his position at shortstop. At second base, I would take Gleyber Torres. Gleyber Torres is a great uh, defensive second baseman. But we're not, uh, we're not comparing the defensive skills. We're not to comparing uh, the base-stealing skills. Even though Gleyber Torres... It's still an aspect of the game. Uh, okay, go look at Gleyber Torres. How many stolen bases did he have last year? The aspect of the game, Speedy. Where did he have? Uh, not last year, the year before that. Five and six. Okay, and where's Gleyber uh, Where has Lindor been in the Lind- last... Lindor is 99 in his career, and he's had some 20 stolen base seasons. I'm talking about the last two years, Speedy. Uh, full season. In 2019, he had 22. Uh, the shortened season last year, he had six. 2018, he had 25. Mm-hmm. So last year, he had six to Gleyber Torres' five. And a year before that with Gleyber Torres, he had that the, uh, the tear in his UCL. So he missed practically the whole season. The real thing is Gleyber Torres has only had really one full good season. I mean, he, he, he's been fighting injury his whole career. But what we've seen Gleyber Torres when he's been healthy, he's been as good as any player on the Yankees. And the Yankees have one of the best and most talented uh, offenses in all of baseball. If you were to ask me right now who scares me in the Yankees offense more than anybody, it's Gleyber Torres. Because he's got the power, he's got the, the ability to hit in all different parts of the park. I mean, and the guy... Uh, the guy's a fantastic all-around offensive player. And and what he does, he hits in a clutch in the playoffs. Now, um, my argument to the the Greg, uh, what's his last name? <laughs> Polius. Polius. I, I'm not saying that Greg is wrong about a lot of things that he said. I, I, will, I will not say that he's wrong about anything fully that he said. I think Lindor is a better all-around player. I, I, I wouldn't argue that. But offensively, when I look at the ability of what these guys could do, and who would I trust in the big game? And we don't know what Lindor could do it in New York. We don't know if he could do it in, in, in 162 games uh, in, 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 in New York in, with the Mets. We've seen Glaber Torres do it. We've seen him do it. I want to see what Lindor could do in a full season. He looks very good at spring training. We all know what he is. He's going to be demanding a $300 million contract. I'm sure Glaber Torres will be expecting almost the same thing. Their numbers are very similar. But honestly, for a guy that's 23 years old to a guy that's going to be 27 years old, I'm taking offensively in a game, in a big game, Glaber Torres over Lindor because of all the things I've argued about. Now, I want to ask you a question. I'm just curious. How much do you factor in where they are in the lineup, too? Because a a superstar player, in comparison to a rising star like Torres is, is going to see less pitches in the playoffs in comparison to Torres, who was hitting lower in the lineup. I think he was hitting sixth or seventh his rookie year. And even this year, because he had to earn his way back, he was lower in the lineup. How much do you factor into those playoff numbers? Not at all. Not at all, because you got to hit in the playoffs. A pitcher's got to pitch against them. You're still hitting against good pitching. Playoffs, it's all about good pitching. And you got to hit against them. And Lindor doesn't hit against good pitching. Glaber Torres does. Go look at who Glaber Torres has hit against in the playoffs and compare him to what Lindor has hit in the playoffs. Now, most of Lindor's struggles have also come against the Yankees. Though, it doesn't too. matter. He's a two sixty. He's a career two sixty three hitter in the playoffs. That is my argument to a three forty one hitter in the playoffs. And again, there is enough sample size to eighty eight at bat to ninety six. That is a big sample size. Some players don't even see sixty at bats in the playoffs in their careers. So I don't want to hear that it's not enough at bats. It's more. More than enough. Oh, it's plenty of the bats. So I again, I'm still looking at it at bats. And if you're a great player and you're expecting a 330 million dollar contract, you hit under you, you hit in the clutch. And 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 unfortunately, Lindor hasn't. And that's all I'm saying. 
That doesn't mean when he when Greg was comp- you know arguing, trying to compare and contrast. Well, if 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 you're telling me that John Colestan has better numbers than Mike Trout, <laughs> that was stupid. Mount Trout on the players. Does that mean that he's a Hall of Famer over Mike Trout? And I, I laughed at it. No. I was like, you can't compare anybody to Mike Trout. He's the best player in baseball. And Mike Trout has had zero fault for anything that's going on with the dysfunction of the Angels and the reason they haven't made the playoffs. Mike Trout was in one playoff series and. Give Kansas City credit. He, they kind of pitched around him. He didn't have a hit until the third game. Give them credit on that. And it's his first It's his first appearance. You can't judge on one playoff. It's not a bad track record like you saw with A-Rod when he was with the Yankees until 09 or Bryce Harper when he was with Washington. It wasn't that kind of a bad track record that Mike Trout has. So that's just a stupid argument in itself. And Stanton, granted, he never made the playoffs with Marlins either. But again, he had he was up, then he was down with the Yankees, and then he was great this year. So he's, he's kind of an average boat right now. Probably slightly above average because he was really good this year year uh, before they got eliminated by Tampa. I think that uh, you're looking at Mike Trout and John Carlos Stan, there's no comparison. You shouldn't have even brought them up. That yeah. made you look really, really stupid. No offense to you, Greg, but you don't bring up and you try to compare and contrast the best player in baseball, the best player we've seen in baseball in the last 30, 40 years to uh, <laughs> Glaber Torres to Lindor when they're very similar players. Yeah. Very similar players. You can argue who's better than the other. Okay, That's how good both of those guys are at the position that they play. So uh, there is no comparison to John Colestan, who I think is one of the top 15 players in the league. When healthy, but you, yeah. you can't compare him to Mike Trout, who's the, far and along the best player in baseball. It's not even close. <laughs> so uh, to, to, to try to bring that up and say, well, Mike Trout it doesn't have the numbers that John Colestan says. They both... First of all, Mike Trout has had a one-year uh, span in the playoffs to John Carlos Stanton's two years with the Yankees. Right. So there's no compare and contrasting any of those two players. So it was a terrible argument. I don't know why you brought that up. It made no sense whatsoever. And it threw me off because I, I believe you know what you're talking about. But to argue the fact that Lindor is that much better offensively or even better offensively than Gleyber Torres trying to compare John Carlos Stanton to Mike Trout is you lose the debate right there. Yeah. It, that you you completely I, I buried you. You went six feet lo- down to the ground to even compare those two players to one another. Yeah, they're two different types. Stanton's a natural raw power hitter, brute strength type guy. He hits these five hundred foot home runs. Five tool player. Right. Yeah, he can be he can be. John Carlos Stanton's not a five tool player. Yeah, Mike Trout does everything. And even when he was hurt, his pace was insane, where he would have been an MVP by far in that in that instance. And John Carlos Stanton, when he won the MVP, he was barely an MVP. Whereas Mike Trout would have would have been like really Still had unbelievable numbers. He did, you know, he did a great number, fifty something home I, runs. I forget who I think. One hundred and forty yeah, RBIs. I, I think Nolan Arenado. I think was my pick of that. Or no, Goldschmidt. I think should have been MVP that no year. No way. I thought it was, but again, he had better numbers than Goldschmidt. Yeah, but again, that was also like spurt with the second half more than anything else. Where I think Goldschmidt was more like the whole year, if I remember correctly. But regardless, he still like Mike Trout's had years where he was like the MVP by far, and that he's the best player in baseball for a reason. So that's a hard comparison when you're judging those types of players because they're not even close to the same skill set. <laughs> again, you want to judge small samples of the postseason. Mike Trout played for the Angels, which were just dis- they're a dysfunctional mess. <laughs> well, of course, they didn't make the playoffs much. Well, that's what threw me off on the argument with Greg. And after he said that, I, I thought he completely buried himself. He buried himself. If you were to deba- debate somebody in a debate 
a wars game or a debate contest, you would have lost. They would have eliminated you. <laughs> I don't know. We, we might have to ban him from any level no, of debate wars no, for no, just for saying no, that. No, no. I just thought actually was, no. We left the beef around. So it we'll definitely a threw a me off. It definitely <laughs> threw me off when he said that. It really did. It made actually upset me uh, trying to compare and contrast both. Players. Yeah, we we gave the beef a pass, so I guess we gave him. <laughs> well, the beef is out of his mind too. But, <laughs> but uh, Glaber Torres offensively is very similar to Lindor. If you were to ask me in three to six years, and you try to compare and contrast both players, I'm take even though their numbers are very similar, I would take the guy. If, if you have to, the tiebreaker is in the playoffs. I'm taking uh, the guy that's better in the playoffs in Glaber Torres. All around game. I'm taking Lindor. Lindor's the better defensive player. Uh, but uh, my argument wasn't who was a better all-around player. My argument was who was the better offensive player, and that is Glaber Torres. Now, what about skill set-wise? Are you, If you're talking about brute power, brute contact hitting, stuff like that, that isn't Glaber with Torres. the numbers. Glaber Torres. Glaber Torres. I'm taking okay. Glaber Torres. Because I think Glaber Torres is better with power. But I think his con- I think Lindor's contact hitting plus he's a good switch he switch hitter he's good and he's good both sides of the plate I think that ends up making a difference too. I think Glaber Torres is the better all around hitter out of the bunch, uh, out of the both those guys. But the better overall talent overall talent I'm taking Lindor, uh, by not by much but he's better right now. But you know three years from now Lindor will be thirty. And Glaber will be 26, and Glaber might have the edge, you know, you know, three years down the road. Durability will be key, though, because development for a young player, it's all about the progression aspect. And especially with how much time Torres missed the last two years, that could be hard. So if he stay, he has to really stay healthy in order to do that, to make the leap of the upside we know he can be. Well, that's it for our show, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we will be back on Wednesday. Me and Speedy, it's going to be a very interesting show. Um, we are next week going to try to uh, start landing uh, guests again, um, at least one guest a show. So uh, definitely stay tuned for that. Uh, that's it. Uh, Speedy, you have anything to say before we go? Uh, yeah, like I said, uh, upsets are coming with, with March Madness. I have Hopefully LSU wins tonight and uh, Al- Alabama for my bracket's sake. And uh, enjoy, the, uh, enjoy the rest of the tournament, uh, mm-hmm. Sweet 16 coming up this weekend. Um, and sure. uh, – ha- Finally, we get some warmer weather, though, too. So enjoy oh, that wonderful. as well. Uh, I know you Jumping don't like it, joy. but uh, I know a lot of other people enjoy the spring. Baseball season right around the corner. And good well, luck I'm happy to, about that. Yeah. Yes, and uh, g- good luck uh, Good luck to everyone doing uh, fantasy baseball drafts as well, which are uh, right around the corner as well. Absolutely. Uh, we, are we going to do a fantasy baseball draft? <laughs> I don't know if we're going to have enough people that are going to be interested Why in Why not? I think we have a bunch of guys that can do it from our, our network. Carl will play. Carl Falk will play. Um, oh, Anthony Rizzo, number one overall. <laughs> oh, we have Carl. He'll play. I think Clarence will play. Trey will play. Are they baseball fans? I mean, they don't I, seem like baseball fans. I, I think they'll play. It doesn't matter if they're baseball fans. They'll I know. Play. You, with, with fantasy baseball, you need a certain level of dedication to the game of the whole season, though. So I don't know. Again, if they're not like full season baseball fans, because I, ne- I never heard them talk about baseball on their show, so I don't know. <laughs> It'll be very, very interesting moving forward for our network. I want to give a shout out to all the fans that listen to our show. Great shows today. What do we have tomorrow? Tomorrow we have, uh, actually before we get to tomorrow, tonight we have the Fantasy Millionaires, 10 to 11 p.m. Can't wait for that. uh, Stay tuned to that, uh, 10 to 11 Eastern time. Tomorrow we got Falco's Facts from uh, 2 to 3.30 or whatever time he uh, stops because he always stops at different times. Mm -hmm. And we got Off the Mat from 8 to 10 p.m. So we got a couple of new shows. We have some new shows coming to our network. So definitely stay tuned for that. I have, uh, you know, Josh has a bunch of them. 
lining up for us uh, this week where I'm going to be uh, talking to a couple of good shows. So I'm very excited uh, for some of the new talent that we're bringing to the network. And uh, stay tuned because uh, our new show will begin April 1st, ladies and gentlemen. Are you sure about that? Yes, the first week of April. It's not an April Fool? No, it's the first week of April. So we are we are definitely going to be a new show. Uh, we're going to start promoting it next week. So it'll be, next week will be the last week of Below the Mic and Down to the Wire. It will be shelved. I might not be gone. We, we can probably give somebody else those names uh, moving forward if, if somebody needs a show. But... Uh, uh, yes, we're going to do a fantasy. Yes, Declan, we're going to do a fantasy baseball. I want to do a fantasy baseball league. I, I got to see. All right, Declan, set it, set it up. If you're, if you're that interested, we'll, we'll, we'll get in on that. Declan, we'll let you be the commission. Uh, Mikey C. How's that? Or Mikey C. That works. Mikey C. Will be the commissioner. All right. Mikey C. Uh, he loves his fantasy baseball. Yes, he does. That's it for our show. Ladies and gentlemen, we will be back on Wednesday. Until then, this is Errol Marks and the great Tidy Whitey man himself and he's wearing his Tidy Whitey's as we speak. No, I'm not. We will talk to you then. Good night, everybody. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.